0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. <sighs>
2: Everyone and welcome to Carricker and Smallman. I'm 101 ESPN. Smallman out. Danny Mac in. It's seven o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Uh, Back in the day when we were younger, I used to bring Dan donuts when we would both work the mornings, and I thought, you know, let's uh, let's go back to the future a little bit. So this morning when Danny Mac walked through. There's a dozen donuts waiting for you, It's brother.
3: so nice of you, buddy. Thank you so much. Very nice of you. I know uh, Emily's going to probably destroy some of those. I'll destroy They're some. Fantastic. It's very nice of you to do that. Glad, Thank you very much. Glad to that do put it. A, that put a smile on my face because the weekend, I didn't have a lot to smile at.
2: Yeah, what... Uh, Well, uh, the Cardinals are. It's the first week of the season. I
3: understand that, Tony, but we're starting to get a little little bit deeper. Okay. Um, Not great. I agree, Mo.
2: It hasn't been great. You got to get better. Uh, As our old friend Gene Stallings would say, Kinda scuffling. scuffling,
3: yeah. I Cardinals, figured you were going to say that. Yeah,
2: two and eleven in their last thirteen. They've been outscored. They've been doubled up, eighty-six to forty-three in those thirteen games. Dan, the starters earned run average seven point two one in the last thirteen games. The overall ERA six point five seven. And if there's light at the end of the tunnel, it appears to be an oncoming train. Yeah, uh, the Cardinals
3: now are under five hundred for the first time since April twenty third. Speaking of the starting pitching, uh, I thought Carlos Martinez was really good yesterday and it was two unearned runs. Mm-hmm. It was the air that uh, should have got him out of the inning and then all of a sudden two runs score. Good teams make you pay. The Cubs are a good team. and We've talked about this. We thought their lineup would hit and for the most part it has. What I did not see coming was what their starting rotation has been able to do in the last month, which is solidify itself and calm things down. Also didn't think that, uh, you know, all of a sudden, Tapera would be, you know, one of the best <laughs> yeah. setup men in baseball. And Craig Kimbrell has been Craig Kimbrell. You know, I was doing a little uh, research on this, Randy. In each of his last seven appearances, he's picked up a save without allowing a hit. Mm. So it's a third time in his career he's been able to do that in seven-plus games straight. The save became an official stat, as you know, in 1969. No other pitcher has done that more than once so he's done it three different times, wow. and he's back to being Craig Kimbrell. So when you look at the differences with this team or these two teams is right now the Cubs are getting pretty good starting pitching. Their bullpen has been exceptional from day one, and um, and they're winning at home, which the Cardinals have not done. The Cubs are now 24-10 and at Wrigley, and it's the sec- second-best uh, home-winning record in uh, all of baseball behind the Mets, and they're going to play the Mets tonight at City
2: Field. And obviously, in addition to the bullpen, they didn't see Chris Bryant returning to MVP form. They didn't see Sogard or Alcantara being key guys. And they have, I I would think, I I would think that the Cubs players have probably thrown off the plans of the front office. For sure. they, They didn't plan on winning. This team wasn't built to win. But David Ross has done a great job. They've stayed reasonably healthy with their pitching. And... Right now, they're the best team in the National League Central, and it's not even a competition. And they've taken now five
3: of six against the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, and the Cardinals will, will face them one more time before the All-Star break. And And this is the way I have to look at it. <clears throat> if they're not going to go out and make deals, plural, because there, there's the Cardinals need more than just well, go out and get this guy, and then all of a sudden things are going to be fine. They, they've got a lot of issues mm-hmm. right now. It's more than just going out and making one deal. But you got the Marlins tonight. So that's a, a team that went 1-8 and eight on their last road trip, the Marlins. Now, they did have a, a nice homestand. They went 4-2 and two against the Rockies and the Braves. But yesterday, they had to have four relievers cover six innings. So their bullpen could be a little banged up going into the game tonight. Then you go to Atlanta. They've been very disappointing this year. Then you have two games with Detroit. Detroit is not a good team. You come home and you got a four gamer against Pittsburgh, team that's below you, and Arizona, team that doesn't win on the road. Literally does not win on the road. And you've beat them three or four in their place. Right. And then you go before the break, it's a tough trip. You got at Colorado, even when they're down, not an easy place to play. You go to a very good Giants team and then you wrap up by going to Wrigley Field. The way I gotta look at it, Randy, if you can keep, you know, your head above water somehow some way with all the injuries before the all-star break and then hopefully you're getting guys back by by that time then then you you feel like you got something you're going to get kk back this week too apparently he's going to start in game two and wayno goes tonight who's been fantastic at home but having said all that this has been a brutal stretch of baseball for the cardinals in all facets
2: yeah there's no doubt and it's not like this team when reasonably healthy can't play I, i i think that we have a recency bias and rather than looking at the big picture, and this is what makes St. Louis great, is we treat games like NFL games. But if you do look big picture, on May 29th, this team was 30-22. and 22. Uh, When you go back to May 15th, they were three games up in the division, and they have been devastated by injuries. Not like anybody else hasn't been devastated by injuries. The Mets have had a couple of rookies step up with the losses of Carrasco and Cindergaard. The Braves, you mentioned that they've struggled. Why have they struggled? For the same reason the Cardinals have, because Soroka and Wright haven't been there. The two of their top pitchers haven't been available to them. And as you say, Dan, what you have to do is tread water, try to hang around 500 until you get your guys back after the break. And then you're going to have to go on a hell of a run. The way the Cubs are performing, you're going to have to play 10, 12, 15 games over between the all-star break and the end of the season. So you're just crossing your fingers and, No, the Cardinals are not going to go out right now, between now and the All-Star break. They're going to be able to make multiple deals because nobody's trading those pitchers.
3: No one's getting traded pitching-wise. And, you know, you mentioned the the Cubs. And I, I thought if the Cubs got off to a poor start, played poorly in the first half... Uh, Craig Kemper will be gone. Maybe some of the position players, which is harder to deal and get the value for a very good position player, more so than if you get that pitcher and that stretch run when they're in the final years of their deal. And you hit it on the head. If, if I'm running the Chicago Cubs and I, I just witnessed what I saw at Wrigley Field, which was that place the, the roof was coming off it, man, it was electric. I can't do that to my fan base. And you're saying, well, maybe the window was open for one more year, which we thought, and uh, and we go for it. How good would they look if they had you, Darvish, right now? Yeah, right. Um, so, I again, it's just a, a really tough stretch of baseball, and it's not only the pitching. Even though you've had three-fifths of your rotation out, and the ones that you can count on for the most part to me it's two guys that i can count on coming out of the pen for the cardinals it's gallegos it's reyes and it's sometimes hendesis cabrera Mm -hmm. and then everybody else you just kind of fingers crossed and you're hoping that they go out and give you something like ryan helsley or somebody else that you think but where's the offense right now too offense had two hits last night two. so it's it's a collective effort of uh, being in this rut and i'll say this too randy it's It's a team that's trailing a lot. I mean, they're playing catch-up the entire time, and there's pressure when you're watching these games, when you're falling behind and saying, is the offense going to be able to do something to give you a boost? And, you know, you fell behind last night, and you felt like,
2: are you going to get a hit? You're going to generate mm-hmm. something, and they haven't been. They haven't been able to get that big hit. Yep. And right now the Cardinals in fourth place. They're a game behind the Reds. And it's kind of like a FEMA cleanup is what they need. They, It's the, the Federal Emergency Management Association that you, you need to have somebody come in and just fix the disaster and then rebuild. And the Cardinals need to rebuild from these injuries, get healthy again, kind of like New Orleans, and then bounce back. Um, I, I look at it that they have...
3: Now, if you if you felt you were going to win this year, which they did, and you said, boy, this is a really good team, I mean, this is a really good team, and we're one piece away, you'd say, would you think about trading Nolan Gorman? Would you think about trading Matthew Libert or Zach Thompson, even though he's had some ups and downs this year, but still thought of as a top prospect? Um, you might do it, but when you have so many holes right now with this team because of the injuries and the way that they played, there's no way you would do that. Not in my mind. I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I mean, you, you you'd have to be right on the cusp of feeling that this team is elite
2: and they're not elite right now at all. Nolan Gorman from June 8th through yesterday has hit 346 with a 393 on base and a 1.154 slug. He has 7 home runs among his 9 hits eight runs scored, 12 RBIs. He struck out seven times and has a 1.547 OPS. He had two home runs on June 11th and three more on Saturday night on the 12th. The other thing he's done is cut
3: down on the strikeouts. He's made an adjustment here in the last two to three weeks. I, I keep an eye on what he's doing and his track record has been really good power, but a, a fair amount of strikeouts. He's actually cut that down and been better and made an adjustment. So that that part is good to see.
2: I would think we'll see him at Memphis sooner rather than later. I would think so. Push him a little bit. See where he's at. NHL yesterday game one between the Islanders and the Lightning. The Islanders win it. 2 to 1, and they lead the series one game to none. Canadians and Golden Knights start their series tonight. NBA last night, the Suns eliminated the Nuggets. 116, 102 was the final. The MVP of the league, Nikola Jokic, thrown out in the third quarter. And so Phoenix advances in the West. They'll play either the Clippers or the Jazz. And since Stan Cronkie, Dan, made the comment in 2016 that you don't get in this business to win championships. His teams haven't won a championship. They have not uh,
3: great reporting by the Post-Dispatch this weekend concerning the uh, lawsuit with the NFL. And Ben Fredrickson was all over that. Joel Courier as well. Interesting comments in the paper. Um, got to wonder where those comments came from and how that got leaked. But mm-hmm. uh, be very curious to see what happens on the St. Louis side of things, too.
2: Yeah, and I think they can just kind of uh, bide their time here uh-huh. for a little while and then just keep winning. Yeah. Just a uh, allow things to, to keep winning. And one other note a scary note from Saturday, Denmark's Christian Erickson suffered a cardiac arrest on the field. His doctor said he was gone, that he was dead before he was resuscitated with defibrillators. Now the twenty nine year old in stable condition after being taken to a hospital, but Man, you never know in scary, sports. Boy.
3: Yeah. Oh, boy. That was, yeah, I saw that. That was really scary stuff.
2: Really was. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Start one, bench one, cut one. Coming your way on 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: 65780, oh, Dan, Randy, Emily with a little game of Start One, Bench One, Cut One. Danny, yeah, we saw the Cubs over the weekend, and they have three premier free agents coming up at the end of the season. Start one. More than that. Well, three <laughs> premier guys, though. Yeah, start one. I mean bench, more than that yeah, even. Yeah. Start one, bench one, cut one from among Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, and Anthony Rizzo. Say that again. Star, uh, give me the list that you're going with. Start one bench, one cut, one from yeah. Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo. Bryant, Baez. I would go Bryant, Rizzo, Baez. So you're I would put
4: start. yeah.
3: I would start Bryant. He's figured it out again. He's back to being the Chris Bryant that we saw before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rizzo. It'd be curious to see what Rizzo would be like in a different market, but it just seems like he feeds and he's a perfect fit for that market, that fan base, kind of the face of the Cubs franchise, in
2: my opinion, of I've, their entire turnaround. I was thinking over the weekend, though, isn't he a Yankee? They need him. Yeah. I mean, sure. They it, need a first baseman in the worst way. All due respect to Luke Voigt, but he's hurt and he's in 180. Yeah, and he's a left-handed bat,
3: too. Yeah, I like that in that... In that uh, particular uh uh, ballpark and then Baez to me he's I I, I'm really curious what front offices will do with Baez you're going to get a great defender you know that an electric Mm -hmm. defender you're also going to get a guy that maybe leads the league in strikeouts but hits you 30 home runs good 25 30 home runs how much do you want to invest in that I I don't know I so that's why I would go
2: Bryant Rizzo Baez and I think of all the shortstops five Available, I guess it's six still available this offseason. No, it's five because Lindor signed. And I'm throwing Brandon Crawford into the mix here. Baez might be the guy that stays with his team. I guess Crawford, he's from San Francisco, he probably will too. I think
3: Crawford even more so than Baez. Yeah. Because he's been there with the championships. He's having a, a solid year. Yeah. I, I think he, and he's a, uh, he's a San Francisco native. There's a famous picture that uh, I always refer to when uh, the Cardinals play the Giants. It was in the San Francisco Chronicle in 1992, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it's a little boy that is, uh, and I, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it's something like, please don't take our Giants away. And it's on the front page of the paper. You know who it is? Brandon Crawford.
2: Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's a phenomenal. And
3: now he's a part of three different championships at shortstop yep. for them. So it'd be tough to let him go, I would
2: think. And by the way, Barry Bonds had a dog in the Westminster Dog Show last night. I saw that. A schnauzer. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He's a versatile guy. Hopefully the dog was not enhanced. So <laughs> I
3: would say for start one, bench one, cut one. So I've been thinking a lot about Albert Pujols, mm-hmm. who's, who's had a, a nice little run here for the Dodgers. And... Uh, exactly what they thought he might be, which is maybe a spot start here or there at first base. You can put Muncy at at second base. Bellinger can play center field. And uh, when he comes off the bench, he's a threat. So, you know, you're wondering what's left in the tank. Well, looks to be pretty good. So what about the the MV3? And I always find it interesting because people have different – uh, affinity towards each of those guys, which is Albert Pujols, Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland. Really be tough to bench one or cut one, but I'm going to go with Albert Pujols. Yep. I'm going to start him. Uh, bench, I put my uh, <coughs> excuse me broadcast partner, Jimmy Edmonds, two, and Scott Rowland,
2: even though he's the one headed to the Hall of Fame, I'm going to cut him. That's when you know you're pretty good. Yeah, and I have it the exact same way. Obviously, Pujols, the greatest player that we will see in our lifetime. Jimmy Baseball, when we did uh, this day in Cardinal postseason history last year in October, every day we had highlights. From, He's all over him. He, it's unbelievable what he did
3: in the postseason for the Cardinals. I was talking with, I think it was Brad Thompson the other day. Oh, it was Ricky and Keo. We were talking about um, what was it about those guys that made him special. And this was off the air. And I said, the thing about Jimmy is that Jimmy didn't, where a lot of guys clam up when the pressure is the biggest and the game is on the line. And it, it's a great human trait that he has that I don't have because I, I wouldn't be like this. He just didn't care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about why. And I mean that when I say doesn't care, he cared about winning, but I mean he wanted the big moment. He didn't feel the pressure. Yeah. He was just like, well, I, I used to, I would ask him about like game seven of this. And he's like, well, what's the big deal? That's what he would say. I said, yeah. What's the big deal? I said, It's game seven. Your season. He goes, Yeah, but it's a game. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we've, we've been doing it all year. I've been doing this since I was a <laughs> little kid. So just go out and play. Where he just didn't think about That's it. That's a great philosophy to have. And, and you think about like a double A guy to get to triple A and a triple A getting to the major leagues. There are so many talented, physically talented players that cannot get to the next level mm-hmm. because of what's going on between the years. And there are guys that are down there right now that are more physically talented than what you're seeing at the major league level, but they can't figure it out mentally. And Jimmy didn't have that problem.
2: He, know, just, he just was relaxed. A, a guy that should have been a star at the major league level is Tyler Green. Had all the tools. And he, he tore it up at AAA, but then he'd get here and he'd see the third level. And uh-oh, and it just couldn't happen for him. I
3: actually think that's what's going on with Tyler O'Neill. He's not looking over his shoulder anymore, and he's relaxed, and now you're seeing the player that they thought. yeah, That's him. So it, it takes time for certain guys,
2: and some make it, some don't. All right, your text 65780. Emily, what do you have for us?
0: From the 314, start one, bench one, cut one. The wave, the beer snake, the woo.
2: Uh, well, the, the woo absolutely gets cut early by me. Now, yes. That beer snake was awesome last night, so I'm going to start that baby. Are you going to start the beer snake? I'm going to start the beer snake and bench the wave. I think most people would go in your
3: direction. I would go wave. I actually like the wave. I have no problem with the wave. I know a lot of people don't like the wave, and that's okay. Um, I kind of like it. I was at the ballpark two Sundays ago. Somebody started the wave in the bleachers. It was a Sunday night game, and fans were having fun with it. So I was like, ah, I kind of like it. As a fan sitting there, I liked it. As a broadcaster, I'm like, man really that 's what you're doing i 'll put my hand up during the wave here 's the thing I loved about this weekend at wrigley if i 'm going to find a positive and it is the the crowd the The crowd was electric now we were doing the game out of the studio, and I think even if you were just watching on your monitor like I was whether you 're in the studio or at home you could it was palpable man yep. you you could feel how excited people were and and they were just pumped up to be at the ballpark and I, I made the point on Friday. Randy, I thought a real key in the game was the Cardinals were, they took the crowd out of it. That place was ready to erupt. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you look up and it's 5-1. That's the
2: game that you had to win in that series. You had to. when you want to put it on a real micro level, the Rizzo at bat. When the crowd really got into it during the Rizzo at bat,
3: that kind of changed the tide of the game. It was one of the best at bats in regular season play maybe I've ever seen. It was unbelievable. Because of the circumstances of fans at a hundred percent coming back cubs cardinals and the place was going nuts he had 10 foul balls and 14 pitches and the 14th pitch he hits out and you thought boy if that happens just not your day but oviedo goes out for the fifth and you got a chance right and just something happened and you know you're up 5-1 you got to win that game
0: Someone texted in, the guy with the construction hat gathering cups building material was hysterical. Yeah, it was pretty good.
3: <laughs> and, and you know what? You could just tell the people in the bleachers were having such a good yeah. time. Even if the Cardinals were up 5-1, the people were, were enjoying it because they're back at a ballpark and a beautiful day at Wrigley. That is, to me, something that we all have missed desperately. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to try to find a positive from the weekend, it was that.
0: Our next one from the 3 4 start one, bench one, cut one. Chris Carpenter, Adam Wainwright, Jack Flaherty.
2: I'm going to go right in that order, and the reason I'm doing it, is, and Wayno is our guy, but well, Wayno did get us. The I'm going Wayno six, yeah. Carpenter is, and Wayno's done it for longer than Carp did. Thing was, Carpenter right there with Gibson is the best postseason pitcher the Cardinals
3: have ever had. Yes he is. And he's because you know when Bob was pitching, not as many postseason games, obviously he rose to the occasion just about every time, because he would go in games one, four, and seven. And he'd probably win them all and then hit a mm-hmm. home run along the way. So he is the best big game pitcher the Cardinals have ever had. Right behind him though, start looking at those numbers. It's only it's like eleven and two or nine and two or something like that for Chris Carpenter. Um Wano, you look at let's say 06, closing out the World Series. I, I think one of his epic performances was going the distance in Game Five against the Pirates at home. Fantastic! That was a great game, and he's had so many. It, it, the longevity of Wayno. Mm-hmm. I know Carpenter won the Cy Young, but Wayno had a bunch of top three finishes, top five finishes, and uh, and he's still doing it at an advanced age. Like I go back to last year on his 39th birthday. That's one of the best games I've ever seen with no fans in the stands, by the way, and he went the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the guy that you want still at the age of 39 on the mound tonight, and he'll get the start tonight for the Cardinals to stop this losing skid. He, he's just – so, I, again, I've got to go Wainwright, Carpenter, Flaherty, and longevity, and some of the big moments for Waino uh, helped me along the way make that decision.
2: Carpenter, 18 career postseason starts, 10-4 and 4 with a 3.00 four World Series starts, 3-0 and with an earned run average of two in his four World Series. Pretty good. Starts. Pretty good.
0: From the six-three-six, start one, bench one, cut one, Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libertor, Ivan Herrera.
3: I think I'm going in that, uh, that particular direction because after this season we are going to have a DH and you could put Gorman, if you wanted, at third, second, Or the outfield, Mm -hmm. I I think. Before it's all said and done, he's going to get some reps in the outfield too. So why not put him out there? And then uh, so or he's your DH, and then Libertor. I just want to see a big lefty kind of have that Wayno track the way that uh, Wayno had this his career here in St. Louis. I think you could see something. I mean, we forget Matthew Libertor is really young, and so is Nolan Gorman. Right, and Herrera, I would think, is the heir apparent to Yachty. And they felt uh, obviously high enough on him to protect him and put him on the 40 man. So that could be your catcher of the future for many years to come.
2: And that's why I'm going to have him on my bench. I don't want to cut him and lose him. So I am going to start Gorman. I am going to bench Herrera and I'm going to reluctantly cut Libertor. But I'm, I'm worried about my catching future because I need Andrew Kisner to be better or I need Herrera to be my guy.
3: Well, Randall, you are missing three-fifths of your rotation right now. Here just saying, uh, you know, Libertor could uh, eventually help you out at some point. There's no doubt. Here's a question for you. If if Matthew Libertor, um, and I think it's interesting how you look at this, if you felt like he could help you out of your let, – let's say he goes on a great run and and just sees another level of his game in the, at Triple-A. And this is something the Cardinals may have to face this year. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Or maybe their plan is already just saying there's no chance he's coming to the big leagues, no matter what. Which is, I can understand that that point of it too. But I've always felt like it's better to have a guy come into the major leagues if he's going to be a starter. Um, get his feet wet in the bullpen a little bit. Travel. See what it's like. Be around the, the big league cl- All those things before you just flat out insert him into the rotation. I... I Again, there are certain guys that are different circumstances than others, but generally speaking, I'd I'd rather see that depending on where... So let's just say the Cardinals are hovering on 500 or 10 games
2: out. Do you bring up Matthew Libertor? If he's going to be facing a lot of major leaguers in the Olympics. If he shows me something in the Olympics on that stage, I am. I'm going to bring him up. And I do want to see him a little bit at AAA. But yeah, during this season, I absolutely would love to see him. Now, a flip side of that would be no season last
3: year. Do you want to make sure that you curtail innings and numbers and just say, hey, have a good Triple A season, solid, get it under your belt, and then compete for a spot in the rotation or wherever it may be next, next spring? Because guys didn't pitch into September, which is what you'd have to do here.
2: But the thing I can do with him, my, my anticipation is that he kind of serves that Tyler Webb role, at least initially. So yeah. I, I've got a lefty coming out of the bullpen. Okay, I could see that. And yeah, he, like you say, he gets the lay of the land at the big league level. And then next year you bring him in and hopefully he's ready to rock and roll. Yeah, it's and something he, to think I, about. I think he sure. should be starting in the Olympics too. So he'll get some innings there. Yeah.
3: Um, Cardinals will have to make that decision whether or not they want him to do that or if he's best served yeah. to, to stay here because of a
2: need. Yep.
3: Thanks, Emily.
0: Thank you. Thank yeah, you, th-
3: Emily.
2: Thanks for your text to the air comfort service. Text line 65780. So the Cubs swept the Cardinals over the weekend. Are the Cubs that good? Are the Cardinals that bad? That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: Michelle is on vacation. Danny Mack and Randy with you as the morning commences with the Cubs having swept the Cardinals at Wrigley Field Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, Dan, what it comes down to is that Oviedo went four and a third on Friday. Stewart only went four. But then on Saturday night, you can't even get out of the second inning with John Gant on the mound for the Cardinals. And Kyle Hendricks gives the Cubs six. And then last night, obviously. Carlos Martinez bounces back for the Cardinals, but the Cardinal bullpen has just been wrecked over the course of these last 13 games. It's 2-11 streak. Not only are pitchers not performing at a very high level, starters ERA 7.21, but they aren't getting any innings either. Yeah, I, I was, you know, dead wrong
3: about this right now going into the season. I thought a strength of this club would be the pitching. Somehow, some way, the pitching would be, able to hold up now injuries have really hurt that because if you have Flaherty giving you six or seven every time out at least and you have KK being better than he was a year ago and he has not been great this year obviously and he's been hurt a couple of stints on the IL that takes a lot of pressure a lot of innings off your pen and uh, frankly you know Randy that's been a, a massive problem and you know Injuries are are part of the game. Every every team is dealing with it and the Cardinals have not dealt with it well. On the flip side, you think about what, you know, the Cubs have done and they've had injuries to David Bodie and Nico Horner and they they made a couple of uh, adjustments in the off season or in season. For instance, Jock Peterson, they they said, "Hey, come here. We'll let you play against lefties." And he's been okay against lefties, but he crushes right-handed pitching. He's gotten hot. That's been a good signing. Tommy Nance, who got the win on Friday, has been... Re- Hello, friends. Yeah, he's been ridiculously good. Not Jim, but Tommy. Well, Jim's pretty good, too, at what he does. I like Jim, too. But Tommy Nance was filthy the other day. Filthy. Mm-hmm. And and Tapera has been a much better pitcher than I think most anticipated. Well, they went out and, and they, they got Patrick Wisdom, who appeared in a couple of games last year for them. All of a sudden, that has given you a run of a couple of weeks where they needed a a hole filled. So you ride that out. You look at Sergio Alcantara, who was claimed off of waivers from the Tigers. He's got seven extra base hits in 13 games, can play all over the diamond, played short, played third, he's played second. He's been really good. Um, I look at the addition of Zach Davies, who we saw last night. Now, the first month of the season, his ERA was around 10 but he figured something out with his changeup, which was devastating last night. The Cardinals were 2-for-8 against that pitch. They were 0-for-9 against his sinker. Since April, Randy, he's got a 1.86 ERA. And another reason that I think that this team has a chance to win, speaking of the Cubs, is what we saw with the atmosphere at Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. Coming off a season where you didn't have fans, and that place was electric. They feed off that crowd. They're now 24-10 and 10 at home, second-best home record in the major leagues. All those factors
2: are reasons why this team is winning. And then you look at the flip side. The Cardinals, in addition to the starting pitching, we always talk in hockey about how your best players have to be your best players. And unfortunately for the Cardinals, they have had... Both Goldschmidt and Arenado fall off at the same time. In the last week, Arenado is hitting 211 with a 707 OPS. Goldie is hitting 167 with a 619 OPS. And those two are coming up with a lot of runners on and in a lot of key situations. And it's just not happening for Goldschmidt and Arenado at the moment. Absolutely. By the way, Aronado's play last
3: night was Unbelievable. Unbelievable. (laughs) Wow, that was that was ridiculous. But to your point, you're counting on those guys to be there every day. And if one is is going through a rut, which you're going to have a 162 game season, you, you hope the other one is not. And that's mm-hmm. been the problem. So Goldschmidt, his first couple of months um, were, uh, you know, he he gets better when the summer gets going for whatever reason and it heats up. He actually went into the series against the Cubs batting close to 350 for the month. Um, now we're about midway through the month, but yet he went cold over the weekend. And when he goes cold in those big games, it's a massive hole in this team. Only two hits last night. You're not going to win. I mean, I thought Carlos Martinez was really good last night. Uh, I, he was back to being what he can be. If you tell me that Carlos is going to give me that every single time he pitches, I you say take it. Yeah. Absolutely. It two unearned runs. So he gave you a chance to win. But when your offense... It's like, man, when one's clicking, the other one's not, and whether it's Arnotto Goldie or when you're talking about a starter and then your offense goes goes cold, you're just not going to
2: win. Well, and let me just throw one more here because it is a team game, but Tommy Edmond is hitting 174 over the last week, 214 with a 214 on base over the last two weeks. And if your top of the lineup guy isn't setting the table, then even if the table setters are performing, there's not much there for them. And that's what we
3: said when they were kind of hanging around and, and being able to be competitive in some of these games where y- you felt like one through four and even five when O'Neal got hot, you're like, okay, that'll that that that'll work. If our pitcher can, from the Cardinals' perspective, you're saying, hey, if our, if our pitcher can give us five or six and keep us in the game and we have a chance to get to the big three, I always just say the big three of Cabrera, um, Gallegos and Reyes, you got, a, you got a shot to win. Get me through six. Get me through six. And uh, and that's just not happening. So everything is kind of snowballing. And I, I got a feeling that inside that dugout, there's a ton of pressure that they're putting on themselves because they're always trailing in games, too. It's one thing when you are losing games. It's another in the manner in which you lose. And a lot of these games have been to where you just feel like you're behind the eight ball initially. Either your starter doesn't give you a lot or your offense isn't moving the, the with runners. It just My point is you're always down by a run or two, and you're always playing catch-up. Right. And there's the, the when you have that situation, there's pressure in those at-bats, and they're just not coming through. And,
2: Dan, I, I want to give credit here where credit is due, and we've talked about the struggles of three hitters. But we do need to mention how hot – Matt Carpenter has been, don't we? I mean, the the guy, for all of the struggles that he's endured and the body of work for the season, is not good. But a 394 on base over the last two weeks, uh, 471 on base over the last week, and this is 17 plate appearances for the two-week period, 33 plate appearances. And he's getting on base, he's hitting the ball, and he's stuck with it. And he has, he's actually been the Cardinals' best offensive performer over the last couple of weeks. That's why he's playing every day, too. You know, when fans look at that,
3: and I get it all the time, you know, why is he playing, why is he playing? Well, you just gave the numbers. That's why he's playing when others... And again, only two hits last night. You're having those kind of games. Um, And and one of the problems that if you're Mike Schilt is that you're trailing in games. And if you're up in games, what do you do? You double switch him out Mm -hmm. or you just straight switch him in the sixth or the seventh when you have a lead and get a better defensive player at second base. Whether that be Sosa or Tommy Edmund. But when you're trailing and you need offense, he stays in the game. Those are the kind of things that happen with this
2: team. Cards and Marlins tonight. They'll try to get back on the winning track. The Cardinals will as they return home for this series before heading to Atlanta over the weekend. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. It's coming your way on 101
1: ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Dan, Randy, and Emily on 101 ESPN. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Uh, Dan, the team with the best record in the National League is the San Francisco Giants. Amazing. Unbelievable. Take it or leave it. There's some sort of karma going on with the Giants. They're on their third general manager. They're on their second manager. They've turned things over and yet... They, they're still back on top. Some, I, something's happening out in the Bay Area in the water. Yeah, I know what it is. Their general manager,
3: he's, he's good. He's really good. Remember what he did with the Dodgers? Yep. And he goes to the Giants, and and you, I, at least I would look have looked at it at that time, and I did. I thought, man, that is a really tough spot to be in because you got a market that expects to win when you have three championships in you know a very short amount of time. However, those championships were done with guys like Brandon Crawford and Pablo Sandoval and Brandon Belt, uh, Buster Posey. You know, my point is you've got legacy players that are aging, and that's not an easy spot to be in as a GM because you, you have the fan affinity for those players, but yet you also know what you need to do to improve your club on the field. And yet Posey's having a very good year. Crawford is solid. And he's had these little tweaks along the way and quietly turned it around without having to strip it all down and sell off parts and do, you know, a rebuild where you're getting the high picks and saying, hey, it's going to, we're going to take it on the chin for a handful of years and get better. He's been able to do that with that group of players, not Sandoval. He's a pinch hitter now with the Braves, but others. Yeah. And, um, you know, Kevin Gossman is a perfect example. He's been
2: one of the best pitchers in baseball. And Farhan Zaidi, you mentioned him with the Dodgers. He's the guy that. Figured, okay, Max Muncie, right? Those kind of guys. Yeah. Justin Turner, he's the one that went out and identified those guys. They've got a guy named Lamont Wade Jr. leading off for them and getting on base all the time. Uh, they've got Carl Yastrzemski's son playing or uh, nephew Grandson. playing right field and doing great for him. They did go when the Cardinals didn't get Mike Talkman. They did go and get him, and he's doing things for him. Uh, the DiScleffani is another pitcher yes. that they just took off the scrap heap, and is performing well. They're the the definition of being smart, and you have to be smart. It's uh, one of the great
3: stories that probably doesn't get enough attention right now, because I, you know, going into the season, everybody, including myself, and I think you would agree with this. Looked and said, Okay, it's a two team race. Yep, it's the totally. Dodgers and the Padres and here we are in Flagdale. Uh, today's Flag Day, I think. It is June fourteenth. So this is uh where some people like to look at it um, and say, All right, I don't go on Memorial Day, it's Flag Day this and I think
2: Claybs. Yeah, is a big he's big day.
3: on this yeah. and this is my measuring stick of you are who you are. And uh or you or you say, This is where our deficiencies are, here's our strengths and then make the adjustments accordingly. So uh, you know, this is a about two and a half months. Pretty good. Yep. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's a great story in, in the game. All right, I'm going to think outside the box on this one. And some people will go, oh, you're you're out of your mind. I understand it. But that's why we do talk radio mm-hmm. and take it or leave it. I would shake up the lineup tonight. And because of the numbers that you gave uh, me about Matt Carpenter, take it or leave it. Would you put Matt Carpenter in the leadoff spot? And here's my thinking on this, is that Edmund has struggled a little bit in that regard here recently. And I love Tommy Edmund at the top. By the way, as a leadoff hitter in the first inning, he's really good. So I'm countering my point here. Those first at-bats of a game, he's he's got like eight doubles, a couple of triples, which leads in that category. He's batting above 300 in the first inning. So I love trying to get off to a good start in a game, score that first run. But here's where I would counter it. Uh, Carpenter's gotten for him what has been hot. He loves hitting in the leadoff spot. Um, and some people would say, oh, it takes three hits to bring him in. I get that, too. However, when the Cardinals are scoring, it's a lot of times with power. So get him on in front of Goldie Arenado, And if he's going to play, j- just to shake it up, just to give you a differently. Because what you're doing right now isn't working. So just totally shake it up. Why not just do something different? And you get him his three at-bats, which is what you want, by, and you get there quicker and if you want to double switch him out later in the game, you could do it. I, I'm just thinking I'm outside take it. the. No, nope.
2: okay. I, I'm I'm totally taking it. As a matter of fact, Dan, I might go, I might go all Billy Martin here, April twenty first, nineteen seventy seven. This this is Billy great. Billy Martin, the Yankees are struggling, and he pulls the Yankee lineup out of his hat. Yep. Just writes down the nine names and pulls it out of his hat. He wound up having actually Willie Randolph leading off, which made sense at that time. Thurman Munson hitting second was <laughs> right. not something that you would do. Reggie hit third. How about that? You think there was a little fix in here, though? Uh, Yeah. Maybe. Uh, But then he had Greg Nettles, Mickey Rivers hitting fifth. Roy White hitting sixth. Carlos May, no thumb, hitting seventh. Chambliss hit eighth, and then Bucky Dent hit ninth. So there there were a few fixes in there. But Mike Schilt, just turn over your cap, put your names in it, and pull them out. Just shake it up. Yeah. Just do something different. Say, hey, boys, shaking it up, we're going to have a little fun tonight. This is what the hat says.
3: I also wonder if Mike will get more aggressive... um, Because they aren't scoring runs. Just, you know, when he first took over, that's how they got back into the race. Mm -hmm. They just started running wild, doing hitting runs, doing things that were uh, kind of the riverboat gambler type stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to think about doing that because
2: what you're doing isn't working. Yeah, I wonder, though, if the analytics guys are on board with picking the lineup out of a hat. Uh, no, no, they nope. would not be. Okay. No, no. Just that, throwing it out there is a possibility. I, I
3: understand where you're going with that. <laughs> I don't know. Do you do it with a Ueno uh, uh, game with that lineup? I don't know. If you don't win tonight, maybe you do. Yeah. Why not?
2: I Just shake it up. Your text, from Emily, what do you got?
0: From the 314, take it or leave it, a pitcher like Danny Duffy when he comes off the IL makes sense for the Cardinals to go get in a trade.
3: Yeah, I would take that. I would take it too, but everybody is looking. I don't care. Your best teams are still looking for pitching. And the the price, I mean, if you're an opposing team and John Moselock or Michael Gersh calls you and they say, uh, hey, we want player X from the Cardinals' perspective, and their GM or president of baseball operations says, yeah, no kidding. Look at what your pitching's doing in your bullpen and you, you yep. guys are, are banged up and you're hurt and here's the price tag for it. It's, it's extremely high. It's Nolan Gorman. So the question start. that you're asking yourself from an organizational standpoint is where are we and is it realistic to go out and get these guys if you have to give up that huge price tag because we you know, believe that we can win this year. The so one team I, the, I,
2: that's why yeah. I think that they wait yeah. and kind of see where they're at. The one team that might take advantage of of having a wealth of young pitching is the Royals because they aren't going to win this year, and they've got a group of young pitchers, and they've got some veteran guys that they could move. But as you said, the the price is still going to be exorbitant. Why? Because it can be. That's right.
3: Just look at the uh, the opposing team you're dealing with, yep. and they're saying, "All right, the Cardinals are banged up. We're going to ask for a lot."
0: From the six three six, take it or leave it. The Cardinals will lose Arenado after this year because Mo never went out and got help.
2: Leave it. I mentioned that Nolan Arenado's is hitting 207 over the last week, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to leave that too. The guy's getting $199 million for the next seven years. Is he going to opt out of that? Coming off a pandemic, let's just look at the business
3: side of this. Coming off a pandemic and going into a CBA where you don't know how this is going to shake out financially for players or teams and how... It's going to be, uh, you know, are you going to be paying guys $25, $30 million a year? Of course, the players want that, but the owners want to keep, you know, stuff within reason. Um, he's got 199 million reasons to yeah. stay here, and he's really enjoyed his time here. Now, it's been frustrating, I'm sure, for him and with everybody, with how the team has been playing, but uh, I'm going to leave it. I think he's, you know, and, and if if it would happen where he'd opt out, then I'm wrong. And, well, and I'll say, hey, I was flat out wrong, but I, I just don't believe he's
2: opting out. Is his agent really going to get a better deal financially than the one he has here and is a team that is a big spender in need of a third baseman. The Angels have their third baseman. The Dodgers have their third baseman. The Yankees, they could use a third baseman, but they they actually need a first baseman and a center field more. Do the Mets go $200 million after spending what they did on Lindor? I don't think so. I just don't see the contract out there or the ability to win consistently out there that the Cardinals afford him. I would agree.
0: From the 3-1-4, take it or leave it, Wayno pitches a no-hitter tonight.
2: I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. I think he'll pitch well, though. I'm going to play the odds here on FanDuel and say, no, he does not pitch a no-hitter. And
3: understanding, I think he pitches well, understanding that Again, he's the stopper, just like it happened with Cleveland last week. And he's at home. He's really, really good at
0: home. From the 636, take it or leave it, the Cardinals should try to trade Carlos Martinez literally today. Use his start last night as a bargaining chip before he collapses again and falls apart.
2: I'm going to leave it because then you have how many starters? Two or three. You would have Wainwright. You'd have one, essentially. Because Kim, if you include Kim on the I.L. And you don't want your rotation right now, do you? I'd prefer him in the bullpen. I would, too. I preferred that from day one. So, with all due respect, and I get where you're coming from, you would be selling high with Carlos, but what are you going to do? Who are you putting in the rotation if you don't have him? Well, and again, the schedule.
3: Now, this is a conversation maybe in a month Mm -hmm. after the – You know, when you're going into mid-late July and the trade deadline is here and you understand your positioning as a franchise for the immediate 2021, yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe you look at it. Um, But right now, you've got the Marlins tonight. The Braves have not played well. You've got a bad Detroit team, bad Pittsburgh team. Arizona literally cannot win on the road. You go to Colorado. Not an easy place to play, but a, a lesser team. And then you got San Francisco and Chicago both on the road. Tough way to uh, finish up the first half of the season. But your schedule does have some
2: soft spots in it. And I get the frustration. If if the timing were different, I could totally be on board with trading Carlos today. But the timing doesn't fit. It's, even though he only gave you two two innings last week in in a start, you, you just can't trade him today because you just don't have enough guys. And he may be a commodity though down yep, the stretch right. for a team yep. for sure. Yep. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the year. Comfort service, text line 65780. Coming up, Dan and I are going to look big picture here at an organization that was eight games over 500. They did lead the division by three. So, as we are at flag day, what have the Cardinals done and where
1: can they go? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Danny Mac and Randy on Kieraker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 805. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex Jeweler. Dan, fifteen days ago, the Cardinals were eight games over five hundred at 30 and 22. Twenty-two days ago, the Cardinals were three games up in their division when they were healthy, and obviously things have gone by the wayside in terms of health. They've lost KK, they've lost Jack Flaherty. They brought Michaelis back. He lasted four innings, and he's gone. They lost Harrison Bader, and the team was a lot different with Bader in the lineup. They Blondie lost to Young. Young for a stretch. So, while well, we look at, especially a Monday, this is kind of like an NFL Monday. The The Cardinals, and John Moselock said it, and the Fast Lane has their shirts that say, be patient. We aren't, as a fan base, but the Cardinals are. They are thinking big picture. They're thinking, okay, we were pretty good when we were healthy. We Now, things have gone south in a big hurry. It took 15 days for us to go from eight games over to under 500. It took 21 days for us to go from three games up to five games back in the division. But the Cardinals, I would think, John Moselak, Mike Gersh, Bill DeWitt Jr., Bill DeWitt III, Mike Schilt, they're thinking what we need to do is – just kind of settle things down and just try to tread water and hang in there until we get our guys back and healthy. And then hopefully we can make a move too. But are the Cardinals concerned right now? And you are around the club every day. You're, you're in the front office. You know the front office people. Do you think that – they're reacting the way a lot of fans are? Do you think there's any panic at all in that front office? Uh, panic? I, I don't know if that, they ever panic.
3: I, I Is there concern? Sure. How can they not be? You know, when you look at this team and, and three-fifths of your rotation is out, and again, I went through the schedule and there are some soft spots to maybe buy you some time, but you got to play up to their level and beat them. Um, And the Cardinals have not done that here in the last, as you mentioned, 10 to 15 days is I kind of take the big picture view of this. If I get Bader back, I get Kim back. If I have, and I'm again, these are all shoulda, coulda, hopes, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff to where I don't make a knee jerk reaction and go give up a Nolan Gorman, Matthew Liberatore, Zach Thompson. Um, I have to have a realistic view of my club. And I, I think that's what they have to do is, is this who we are, you know, Currently constructed, we're not great, but when we get Bader back and Young gets back into a flow and can get back to where he was, again, there's a lot of hopeful stuff um, that KK is now going to take the ball every fifth day, that I am going to get Jack Flaherty back. I am going to get Michaelis back. Maybe I get Jordan Hicks back. I mean, all these things that we're talking about, if I take the big-picture view, I can say, you know, if we hang around and we get our club back, we're a good club. But if I don't get those players back, it it could be a long season. So I I just have to answer those questions honestly within my group and come up with the answer. And I don't think anybody knows the answer at this
2: point because no one's healthy. That's the thing. And sure, should the Cardinals have gone out and signed a bunch of pitchers because they were concerned about their starting pitchers? Maybe, but... Who are you going to sign and who are you going to trade for now? We're on flag day. It's June 14th. We're 64 games into the season, 98 games left. There hasn't been a starting pitcher that's been traded in Major League Baseball. The Mets have lost a couple of starting pitchers. The Braves have lost a couple of starting pitchers. Uh, The Dodgers lost a starting pitcher. Granted, they had some to, to fill in with. But teams that have pretty good systems that have pretty substantial needs also, like the Cardinals, have not been able to procure the services of a starter from another team. Yeah, and and there's a
3: few things too. I mean, when you have these injuries, you're forcing some of your bench players to go to your your lineup. I mean, the bench has not been where it needs to be. It just hasn't been, especially from the right side. It's just not there. You know, you don't have the thump that you thought you might have. Carpenter's been fine from the left side as a pinch hitter. Fine with that. Um, But you know, when you start thinking about going to your bench, it's like you know Lane Thomas is—he's
2: hitting hundred. I gave the Cardinals the their due in saying we want to evaluate the young outfielders. I th- that's one thing we can say about Flag Day. I've had enough time to evaluate Lane Thomas, and I've had enough time to evaluate Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson and Carlson. I really like Carlson. I really like O'Neill. Not so much Lane Thomas as a player.
3: He just hasn't been there, hasn't yeah. done. And I don't care if you're saying, well, he, you know, he's in a tough spot and the, you know, coming off the bench. Yeah, but I've seen him play as an everyday yep. player too, and they did, they did too to the point where there was a day game earlier this year. I think it was against the Nationals, and after the game, they
2: had to send him down. Yeah, and oh, by the way. Nagoski, for as great as he was in spring training, his role was to come off the bench, and he hasn't and didn't perform either and got sent back. No, and he's had some
3: shots. I think he's had 15, 16, 17 plate appearances. And look, if you're a fan out there and you're going, Dan, that's a lot of ifs and hope, I I get it. Uh, But that's where this team is right now. So, again, going back to the big picture view of this, Randy, do you feel that when you get KK back and with the schedule the way it is, and at some point you're going to get Bader, at some point you're going to get Flaherty, Um, And maybe you move a John Gant to a bullpen if you have that luxury. Personally, I'd like to see Woodford in the rotation. I agree with you there. Um, If you feel that you can tread water until you get those guys healthy and then maybe try to find something at the deadline, that's one way to look at it or the other way to say we're just not good enough. And this is one of those years we're just not good enough.
2: Here's the thing. If I'm the Cardinals and I feel like I'm going to get Flaherty back After the All-Star break, is there a point from mid-July to mid-September, a two-month stretch, where if I have Flaherty, Wainwright, KK, Carlos, maybe even Michaelis, where I could win 12 out of 15, three trips through the rotation? I feel like I could if I have those five guys.
3: Well, they've done that. Yeah, I mean, there was a point where that rotation was as good as anybody in baseball statistically for about 15 to 20 games. And And what happened? They
2: won. Yep, And and so that's going to be the key, as far as I'm concerned, is treading water until you can get to that point. And then if you can get to 12 games over, you take your chances on making the playoffs. Yeah, it's just... You got to have a realistic view and some tough
3: conversations. Are you good enough to get to that point? And I, currently constructed, no. Um,
2: no. But when healthy, maybe. And yeah. that's that's where we are on Flag Day. Is the Cardinals are beat up? They were good. They were eight over. They were three ahead of the division. They got hurt, and now they've lost eleven of thirteen, and they're five back in the division and the key is going to be and they have played some pretty good teams when you're playing the dodgers you're playing the indians you're playing the cubs you're playing some pretty good teams you have to take advantage of the teams that right now are at the same level as you and you have to play at least 500 against them and, it, and by the way the cardinals aren't selling anything anyway they're uh, unless andrew miller winds up being a, a chip that somebody really desires the cardinals aren't in a position they don't have anybody to sell Mm, Maybe you sell Martinez. Mm-hmm. That if, would be the one if, that if would, he goes on a roll last yeah. year, of the contract, and he's
3: got two option years left. Yeah, that's what makes him attractive for some teams to say, yeah, he, he could help us down the stretch if you're a winning ball club and um, and you get you know cost certainty with yeah. him because of the options.
2: Yeah, that's something to think about. But but you aren't you aren't selling any of your outfielders. You aren't, certainly aren't selling your catcher. You aren't going to sell Wainwright or Flaherty. You probably aren't... There's probably not going to be much of a market for KK. Maybe De Young if you're convinced that Sosa is something. But clearly, they really like Young because they put him right back in the lineup, and he's playing, and Sosa didn't. Yeah, and, and you got to try to, you know, get the most out of him that yep. you can. And then your corner infielders are, are going to be here for the long term, and if I'm not mistaken, both have no trade clauses. Correct. And you aren't going to try to trade them anyway.
3: I, I would... I would agree. Yeah. You're, you're not going to trade Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan yeah. Arnato. So it's going to happen.
2: That's where we are on Flag Day. It's it's not very pleasant as you participate in Flag Day and fly your flag today. But, hey, it can only go up from here. That's Dan. I'm yeah. Randy. Coming up
1: next, we're going to talk to the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Danny Mac is in for Michelle. I'm Randy, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And our friend, the Voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber, kind enough to join us as he does on Monday mornings. Morning, sir. How you doing?
5: Randy, I'm awesome. How are you guys today? Everything's good.
2: Hey, we kind of touched on this uh, on Friday when you were in for Michelle in talking about the the effectiveness over the years of Lula Morello and Barry Trotson. We've been talking for 10 years about how the NHL is a speed game, but... And not that the Islanders don't have speed. But at the end of the day, if you control the puck and you can smother the opposition, it doesn't matter who the opposition is, you can beat them, as the Islanders showed Tampa yesterday.
5: Man, when you see that 2-1 to one score on that game, and, and, and then watching it, and you just watch the mistakes that, that Tampa made by turning the puck over at the blue line and and the Islanders right on top of them, you're going, oh my gosh, like this. It, it, it's just, Lou Amarillo has a, an absolute way to win in the National Hockey League, and it's been proven to be extraordinarily successful for him. It's not the most exciting thing, but if you look at the roster and just go through the rosters, you're, you're looking at, at the at the New York Islanders and going, I'm not like, okay, they sure don't have a superstar. Now, Matthew Barzell probably could become this, right? But I'm not even sure that I consider Barzell a star yet. So, I mean, it's just a, a group of names of hockey players that are really doggone good top to bottom, and you put the coaching that he's got with, with Barry Trotz, and and it's successful. Now, I I think John Cooper's going to make some pretty good adjustments, and Vasilevsky played really well for the most part for for Tampa Bay, but that, that was a heck of a win for the New York Islanders. Hey,
3: Curbs, uh, we all want to see the Blues uh, go deep into a, a playoff run. It would have been great to see that this year. But now they get a normal off season after so much hockey in the last year and a half. How beneficial do you think it's for this team in particular? Not generally state, stating it with the league, but with teams that are out, but just with the St. Louis Blues in particular.
5: Man, I think, Dan, it's going to be important, and it is important for this group. Uh, I, I think when you talk to some guys and you hear from them, th- there is there is a level of frustration that, that – you know, this, this season didn't continue. I mean, it, it, it's sort of not, they're not sitting there going, thank goodness it's over. I mean, they're especially some of the leaders of this team, whether it be Braden Shen and Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron, like, like they're, they're ticked off that, you know, that they didn't go deeper. Having said that the injuries just got to them that they, they need some time to heal and need some time to get ready. And for whatever reason, and, and I don't know, obviously not not being around the baseball team and the Cardinals much. I don't know how similar this is, but uh like, we, we just weren't a good COVID team. I, I It's trying to put your finger on, like, pl- not playing in front of crowds, uh, the team not being able to hang out and, and, and be around each other, which is, you know, a close-knit group that, that thrived on that, that. For whatever reason, with the COVID restrictions, this team just never really found its group with it.
3: I would also think, and, and we travel with the clubs. We're not doing it, obviously, this year. But with the way that it was set up, and, and... – I know fans will scoff at this because they say, well, that can't be an excuse. But the travel with what the team dealt with this year too, going out west as much as they did, that, that had to have an effect on this team in terms of just trying to get your body uh, ready to play every night. And again, I, I understand fans don't want to hear that. But man, just getting back to some normalcy where you're maybe seeing Detroit or going to Chicago, but staying within this time zone, that, that, that's big, man. I, I, I really believe that. I, I could be wrong, but that's what I think.
5: No, I, I there there is definitely a part of that that is the case. this team felt like they spent a lot of time on the road. They felt like, um, and, and and keep in mind, and because of that, I guess if if there weren't any hiccups, it would have been one thing. But they flew out to to Los Angeles to play a game, and LA gets snowed in in Colorado, and the Blues aren't can't play the game, so they're stuck out there for forty eight hours all the way out in LA on a game that never happened that had to be rescheduled. And uh, and then you look at from a travel standpoint. Uh, just the amount of time they had to travel West. I mean, it's not a, but sure, it's just a two-hour flight, Uh, you know, even, you know, a little bit more coming home from Colorado, but it's more going out there. It, It was long enough that I think that it actually had a bigger effect on this team, not just from a, uh, not just from a competitive standpoint, I think it had it from a fatigue standpoint and may have been part of one of the reasons you dealt with so many injuries. I think it had a bigger effect on the team than, uh, than the Blues initially thought it would.
2: Curbs, the conference final between Montreal and Vegas starts tonight in Vegas, 8 o'clock St. Louis time. And I really thought, after the Blues played Colorado, that the winner of the Colorado Vegas series would win the Stanley Cup. That was before I realized that Carey Price was going to have like a 935 save percentage and allow less than two goals a game. Do you give Montreal a chance in this series because of Price?
5: Uh, Well, in in a game that sometimes, uh, who who was it? Was it Roger Nielsen or somebody that said maybe we should just call this game goalie? Uh, I mean, (laughs) yeah. I think, I I mean, yeah, because of (laughs) Carey Price, you have it. You know, you you, you abs- they absolutely do have a chance. And now, now, the depth of Vegas can really overwhelm them. We'll have to see how that goes. But Carey Price can be an equalizer, and if you get a lucky bounce or something like that, and you take one game or two that you're not supposed to, things change in a hurry. But I, I, I do the one thing about the Montreal Canadiens is that they've come together because of Carey Price as a team. And man, have they played terrific through these first two series. And that's, that's the other great thing about this game. Unlike, you know, you can have a superstar in, in in basketball, right? Just one player win you a series, and it makes a difference, right? Hockey, the goalie could be like that, but even if the goalie's like that, you've got to have your team going, and and, and they're going. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I, I still think, Randy, you've got to. You've got to heavily favor Vegas in this series, but it'd be fun to see if they can if they can make a series of it.
3: How cool is it to see Patty Maroon doing what he's doing? He's going to go down as one of the great hockey players that ever came out of St. Louis, especially if he wins his third Cup.
5: Absolutely does, and you know he played nine minutes in the game last night. Went and, uh checked out those numbers, and uh, it, you know it's not just him though, Dan. It's it's fun to watch Pat do what he's doing. And here's a, remember he gambled on himself. He turned down a four year deal with the Edmonton Oilers before he eventually signed with the Blues, right? And there's a chance he could have his third straight Stanley Cup. It's just a spectacular story. But Scotty Mayfield, who's from St. Louis, played for the Islanders yesterday. He had the third, I think, the third most ice time of anybody in that game, um, and he's in year two, I think, of a four or five year contract with the Islanders. I mean, and when we everybody talks about the, the Kachuk guys and and Luke Cunning and, and and those guys that that class where you had the five you know first round picks, but Scotty Mayfield too, uh, along with Pat Maroon, they, they're just putting together great careers. And there's there's a, obviously you're going to have another St. Louison in one of those two guys that's going to move on to a Stanley Cup final after this series.
3: Yeah, I, I want Kachuk here, by the way, Kerbs. I just I'll go on the record with that,
5: and not Keith. Uh, you, you know Keith what? is I, done. I, I I'm not sure you're alone on that, but I think it's a hell of a thought. Okay, thank you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, and one other thing tonight'll be kind of old home week for Petro and Edmondson. Petro was Edmondson's mentor. they They were paired a lot. Petro loved Eddie and and vice versa. So that'll be a, a fun little matchup to see for the two defensemen for Montreal and Vegas.
5: Yeah, that one will be fun. It'll be Ryan Reeves coming in on Joel Edmondson, so that'll be yeah. a, a battle too. And you know, Jake Allen's on the bench there. So there's we, we've got two former uh, blues on each team. You know, in the three of them, uh, obviously, except for Reeves won the Cup. So it that that's going to be an interesting aspect of that series. But as we talked about on Friday, Alex Petrangelo picked his game to another level and delivered exactly what Vegas signed him for. He was the best player in that series, in my opinion. I mean, he... Everyone wants to hype up Kale McCarr and all this stuff. Well, it wasn't even close to the way that uh, Petrangelo played. And my goodness, did he stand out in that series.
3: Isn't it going to be great, Curbs? Uh, I'm watching all these games around Major League Baseball, and and, uh, Wrigley this weekend was packed. I I just can't wait to see an Enterprise Center packed or even uh, getting out to some of these arenas that we're seeing in the playoffs. It it just, it was, the crowds in hockey are second to none. And so if you get that back starting opening night next year, it's going to be beautiful.
5: I don't. I don't think you know what. And I think all three of us probably feel this way. I don't think any of us ever took the fans for granted, right? You love the atmosphere in buildings, whether you're you're packed at Bush on a on a Tuesday night or whether it's you know it's Enterprise Center on a Saturday night, whatever it may be. I don't believe you know the none of us took took the crowds for granted. Having said that, you have to have even even better appreciation for just what the atmosphere of sports was. i listen. I'm one guys that and. Yeah. I hated watching sports without fans in the building. Like it just wasn't the same experience when you're watching the game or, you know, or listening. and, and I'm not even, I'm not talking about just the games that, that we personally were doing just in general, you know, and, and it just felt weird. So it, to me, to me, it's all about the fans and oh, I agree with you. I think the blues are going to do a great job kind of relaunching everything with welcoming fans back. And I know they're already in, working on plans on how to do that and working hard to get some plans done early. It's, it's going to be fun, but yeah. It'll be it'll be a special relaunch because you're talking at at that point in time, you know, nearly two years before you, you know, since you've been able to put just a full building in there. And that's that's it. One, it's a shame. But two, it'll be such a welcome sight. No doubt.
2: Curbs, good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great Father's Day
5: week and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Happy Father's Day to both of you guys. I know it's special to uh, both of you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you the following week. All right, Sounds thank
2: good. you, sir. That is the Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, right here on 101 ESPN. I thought in Chicago
3: over the weekend,
2: again, as
3: tough as it was from a Cardinals perspective and getting swept, as I said in our early in the show, the best part of this weekend was seeing the fans back at Wrigley. And I, I just thought the Cubs did a great job with, like, the relaunch 2.0. They even had the uh, – it was painted in behind home plate. I, I think it said reopening or something like that. and the were full and they yep. were having so much fun and uh and they had what four or five hall of famers, hall of back, famers yeah. and bill murray singing out take me take me out to the ball game and uh it was palpable you I mean you could feel the energy and again it's 100 percent
2: beginning tonight at bush stadium so it should be fascinating to see what kind of crowd they get and tickets available if you want to head on down to the ballpark go to cardinals.com and by the way, all tickets are on your phone now. There are that's no right. paper tickets. So you can either go to Cardinals.com, use the app, or just give the Cardinals a call and they can set you up. MLB uh, Ballpark app, put it on your smartphone, and uh, that's probably the best way to do it. Good thing to have. That's Danny. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got the fight
1: for you on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: 101 ESPN, I'm Dan McLaughlin filling in for Michelle Smallman on this Monday morning. Kind of a tough Monday morning after the weekend the Cardinals had. Uh, Randy is out of the studio and we have our fighter. This is Alex. Alex, welcome to the Airwaves of 101.
6: Hey, Danny Matt. good to be here, man. That song really juices you up, pumps you up. I'm ready to rock and roll. You talking about the fight song? Oh yeah, that fight song, baby! I'm like throwing the air air punches out here. I'm ready to rock. So I heard.
3: Well, you're fired up. That's good to hear. I heard Absolutely. that you called in on Friday and said no, no, no. Even though we picked you for Friday, and you said no, I I got to go on Monday. Is that right?
6: Uh, you know what? You just juice up the air the air, the airline just a little bit more. You know that Monday morning energy. That's what you need sometimes, especially I, after that sweep. That I, I feel tough. you. I feel you, baby. That was tough. Question uh, I, for you, Danny Mac. Question yeah, for you. Yeah. So on a national televised game, do you come home on Saturday, or you stay at the game on Sunday and watch it like a fan.
3: Well, I uh, we are not traveling this year, so I've been home all year. Ah, yeah, ah, so I uh, so I've been home. But normally in a normal season, not COVID year, yeah, we'd be uh, probably coming home and uh, spending some time with the family. It's a good question nice. though. Yeah, but we're we're doing the games from the studio on the road. So we are You're a family man. I can respect that. We are locked into St. Louis. Um Absolutely, baby. What do you what do you do for a living, babe?
6: Uh actually I uh work for a family business called Success Brands. We do customizable merchandise. So if uh you go to the Cardinals games and you get the uh the hats, the jerseys, the apparel, the rings, we do all that for M L B, NBA, and NHL. So so I'm pretty much into the sports
3: industry. Yeah, it sounds like you probably need to do some advertising on 101. I, I'd be happy to be your <laughs> spokesman. But just just going to throw that out there. Anyway. Okay. You, 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 absolutely. I'll talk to my dad. Okay, here we go with uh, Alex. Uh, Novik Djokovic uh, ra- uh, rallied from two sets down to win the French Open on Sunday. His 19th Grand Slam title. Who is tied with Roger Federer, Federer in first place for the most men's Grand Slam titles all time at... 20 is it Rafael Nadal Andre Agassi or John McEnroe
6: Ooh, you know I'm not much of a tennis guy but I will just go with the uh with the rock steady Rafael Nadal
3: okay Garrick Higo or Higu won the uh, Palmetto Championship this weekend his first PGA Tour victory which country is he from the United States South Africa or England what was his name? Garrick Higgo. Higo. Hmm. And then what were the options? United States, South Africa, England.
6: Uh, that sounds like an English name to me. I'm going
3: to go English. Okay. Aaron Boone made a comment on Sunday that the sliding Yankees need to step it up. Boone's grandfather, Ray Boone, was a World Series champion for which team in 1948? The Indians, the Boston Braves, or the New York Yankees?
6: I'm going to go to uh, New York Yankees.
3: Okay. And which Cardinals prospect was the first player born in the year 2000 to be drafted by an MLB team? Was it Zach Thompson, Matthew Liberator, or Nolan Gorman? Uh,
6: this is Zach Thompson.
3: Okay. Randy, These come were on. Tough. These were tough. I, I, she... Uh, Emily comes up with these. She came out fiery. She was not happy. On a Monday the,
6: morning, uh, too. On a Monday morning, she was not slowing down, giving us the softballs here. No,
3: she wasn't happy about the uh, the Cardinals getting swept, and she's going to take it out on everybody here, apparently. They just yeah, come straight I, I, yeah, out of my brain. I agree. All right. <laughs> hey, Randy, say uh, good morning to Alex. Alex wants to be in, uh, doing some advertising on 101 ESPN.
2: Alex, that's great to hear. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Randy, how are we doing this morning, my friend? Everything's great. A lot of his
3: potential advertisement may depend on whether or not he wins. I'm just saying that. We can handle this.
6: Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. Novik
3: Djokovic uh, rallied from two sets down to win the French Open on Sunday. Mm -hmm. It was his 19th Grand Slam title. Who is tied with Roger Federer in first place for most men's Grand Slam titles all time at 20? Pete Sampras. Garrick higo higoo yeah higo he won the uh Palmetto this weekend. He sure did. that was his uh, first PGA Tour victory mm-hmm. which country is he from
2: Garrick higo uh no, Garrick Gar Higo. not Garth but, uh, butcher uh Germany okay Aaron
3: Boone made a comment on Sunday Randy oh yeah he shouldn't have made that and uh his Yankees are scuffling mm-hmm Boone's grandfather, Ray Boone, was a World Series champion for which team in 1948? Ray Boone. Cleveland Indians. Yep. Okay. And uh, which Cardinals prospect was the first player born in the year 2000 to be drafted by a major league team? That would have been Nolan Gorman. Emily, ring the bell, please. At any
1: point. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and Herolone.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved Herolone.com.
3: Alex, I'm sorry, but Randy did win today.
1: I know. I mean, I feel bashful right
6: now. That was a bad performance out of me. Uh, not and at I know all. Better.
3: You, you brought some energy, and that, that makes you a winner
6: yeah, you in my are book. you're bashful. You're great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Randy. I mean, those, those those were some tough ones out there. But, you, I mean, tip of the cap to you, my friend. Thank you, Alex. You.
2: By the way, what is your company? Give your company a shout-out here. Uh, you know what? I'll, you know, I'll go
6: for round two. Uh, Success Brands, we do customizable merchandise. So if you uh, we do a lot for just the sports industry. So you go to the Cardinal Games, get the rings, the hats. Uh, the jerseys, the apparel, all that, the bags. We do all that, but we do a lot of corporate work, do a lot of youth sports industry, all that stuff. So a lot of lot of fun. Started by my dad, too. Showed, shout out to my dad. He actually texted me. After I said the Yankees won the 1948 World Series, I was like it's the Indians because he's a big <laughs> sports guy. So I followed his footsteps. Right,
2: well, Alex. we need to get a
3: hold of you and your dad here. Um, let's see. Oh, we can we can
6: make that happen. Okay. We can make that
3: happen, baby. Sounds great. Who is tied with Roger Federer in first place for the most men's Grand Slam titles? Alex got this one right. It was Rafael Nadal.
2: Oh, Nadal. Ah, oh, baby, yeah. Samples.
3: Well, hold on, Alex. You didn't get anything else right. Um, I know. That's okay. Higu won the Palmetto, and that was his first PGA Tour victory. Which country is he from? That's South Africa. Oh, yeah, that's right. Aaron Boone made a comment Sunday. Yankees need to step it up. But this was about his grandfather, Ray Boone, and the World Series champion uh, for 1948. That was the Cleveland Indians. They have the longest drought right now in the sport in terms of not winning a championship in baseball. Which Cardinals prospect was the first player born in the year 2000 to be drafted by an MLB team? And that would be Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman was born in the, the 2000s.
0: I think it was May 10th.
3: May 10th. Okay. All right. You gave us Thompson, Libertor, Gorman. You said drafted by an MLB team. That would have been any card. Uh, any cause, team. Yeah, because Libertor was Tampa Bay. All right, Alex. Hey, thanks for playing. Uh, enjoy the ball game tonight. Don't know if you're going to go down there, but it's 100% capacity, and hopefully we have a lot of fun with the Marlins in town.
6: And just got to hope the team gives 100% of their heart. Well, they will, babe.
3: They will. You yeah, don't have to
6: worry absolutely. about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Alex. All right. Alex. Thanks for having me. Maybe I'll make my return. You never know. Okay. Right. We'll Take try care. to get you on. You're... Better and stronger.
3: You, you, All right. You bet. It's uh, instant offense Alex coming on That's 101 great.
2: ESPN. He's fired up. He's good. Next up, our buddy Craig Mish is in South Florida. He covers the Marlins, and he will join us next to preview this
1: Redbirds-Marlins series on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Miami Marlins are in town tonight after losing eight in a row in their most recent eight games. They've gone five and three. They'll send Braxton Garrett to the mound against Adam Wainwright tonight at 715 at the ballpark. And our friend Craig Mish obviously keeps a close eye on the Marlins and joins us now on 101 ESPN. He is the Miami Herald senior baseball contributor, MLB Network contributor, and an all-around great guy. Craig, how are you doing this morning?
7: I'm great, Randy. Danny, it is great to speak to you guys this morning. Thanks for having me. Ah, he's one of my favorites,
3: Randall Craig Mish. He's awesome. I'm glad he's booked. But go ahead. I, I didn't want to interrupt you there,
7: Randall.
2: So we, we, I want to ask what the what the real Marlins are. Is it those the the eight straight losses, or is it the five and three over the last eight?
7: Yeah, when you have a team that's probably about 500, this is what you get. And and I think they're probably somewhere in the middle of those two range of outcomes. And, and they're sort of going through some similar things like every team is going through in the big leagues where we've seen this incredible rash of injuries to the elite players on the club that has derailed some of their plans. And Miami has has been without Sixto Sanchez, who they thought they would have the second week of the season, and instead it's five months. And look, Cardinals are going through that too with Jack Flaherty. You know, I, every team is is it has this like epidemic of, of injuries, so it's really hard to gauge who the best teams in baseball are. But I would say the easy answer is is that they're not as bad as they've looked, and they're probably not uh, you know a division winning team. So somewhere in the middle.
3: Jose Devers, Corey Dickerson, I saw Alfaro uh, had a tough weekend. I was watching the game yesterday, took a foul ball, stayed in the game. But this team has been banged up. But specifically with Devers and Dickerson, would you anticipate them uh, being on this trip and playing tonight?
7: Yeah, I I think, Danny, you know, Miguel Rojas is is the other name, too, that, that is really a key ingredient to their winning and and brian anderson their third baseman is out as well so i I don't think that you're going to see rojas in st louis but i do think rojas ends up joining them in chicago and, and anderson will not dickerson is on the trip so i do believe that they think that he is healthy and good enough to play i don't know that he will play tonight normally against a righty like uh like wainwright you know he would he would pitch tonight he would play tonight excuse me for sure. Devers, I don't have a clear picture on. My guess is that he goes on the injured list, so then they would have to pluck down someone from the minor leagues, and they really almost have no options. So this could be another one of those uh, players who's up for a few days just to sub in until Rojas comes back against the Cubs.
3: One of the best players that probably is not being seen by a lot of fans because it's the Marlins and not a lot of focus is on that franchise, but is Starling Marte. And we saw him a lot in the NL Central with the Pirates This is a good player. Uh, We're getting close to the trade deadline. Any chance that the uh, Marlins would try to re-sign him, or is that a pretty valuable chip you think that they may use?
7: Yeah, it's a great question, and one that I asked him directly about for the first time I was on the field in almost two years, and and he was the one player that I did speak to one-on-one. We talked for about 15 minutes, and he, he told me that he wanted to stay and he would prefer that the organization come to him and at least make some sort of offer to stay. But to this point, Danny, they have not. So there, there's a range of outcomes that could happen
3: here, and,
7: and every team has kind of gone through it. You saw it last year with the Braves and and Ozuna, where they didn't uh, extend him, and then they essentially offered him the qualifying offer, and then he ended up going back and, and signing with them as a free agent. Real Muta did the same thing with Philadelphia. I think the Marlins may end up doing that with Starling Marte. I, 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 if they're sort of in it, this organization has shown that they want to compete and try and win almost regardless of what the record looks like. So they may carry him until the end of the year, offer him that qualifying offer, which is about $20 million, and there's that looming CBA stuff happening too. So it's a little bit complicated. But my guess is uh, is they is they keep him on the thirty first. But that could change quickly if if Miami loses, you know, seven or eight games in a row, and has no hope for the second half.
2: Craig Mish of the Miami Herald and MLB Network with us on one one ESPN. Craig, we have Adam Wainwright on the show every week, and last week he was asked. Who his favorite pitcher to watch in baseball is, and he said Sandy Alcantara. He said he loves the changeup. He thinks that the Sandy Alcantara changeup is the best pitch in baseball right now. How much has that guy grown since the Marlins acquired him from the Cardinals?
7: It's it's so interesting that you asked that because I knew Sandy back when he was pitching on those backfields in, in Jupiter, and and you know he didn't really speak any English and was sort of this tall, lanky kid who threw really hard but had no idea where the ball was going. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't even hold the Cardinals' super indictment on them trading him, uh, you know, for Ozuna there because I, I don't think that anybody saw him becoming this good. I know the Cardinals have had a rash of that recently with Patrick Wisdom and Rosarita and Garcia. I, I, I'm following the same stories that you guys are, but but Sandy has really matured. I think being in the Latin American community here in South Florida has helped him quite a bit. Uh, he's, he's, you know, in terms of personally, is a wonderful. A person and and donates to a ton of charities and it's just grown. He's just matured. So yeah, I mean, I understand where where Weino is coming from there, and he really is the front man in this rotation. Would he be the ace, Randy, on on every team in the big leagues? Oh, you know, I'm not so sure. But he certainly could be in a handful of teams, and maybe ten to fifteen. And Miami is definitely one of them. He's done a great job.
2: A guy that has 24 walks in 85 innings would be the ace of the Cardinals. I can tell you that. <laughs>
7: well, it has not gone well for you guys this year in that category that is for sure so,
2: yeah it's it's been a uh, tough year in that
3: regard for sure
7: yeah yeah um, but 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 you know what i the, the thing, and look everyone wants the Cardinals to make a trade for a pitcher i understand I mean, you know what mo probably will i mean in in the end on the 31st it's going to come and and they're going to do something but with, with the amount of injuries there are in baseball, there is a chance that, for example, he makes a trade for a guy right now, and then that guy gets hurt. He's out for the year. I mean, it's been that kind of season. And I just think the flurry of moves is all coming at the deadline on the 30th. Like, I just don't see anything happening until then.
3: Braxton Garrett tonight, Trevor Rogers tomorrow. So two lefties, and then Alcantara will make the start in game three. I'm curious, though, about Braxton Garrett. What can fans expect tonight when they watch him?
7: Well, this is the one game of the three that the Cardinals are going to have the best opportunity to see some balls right over the plate and hit. Uh, you know, Garrett does not throw hard. He's in the 89 to 90 mile an hour range. He's a former first round pick of the Marlins uh, back a handful of years ago. He had Tommy John surgery almost immediately after he know uh, was drafted or went in the second year. There are some who, who privately think that he has not come all the way back since then. He used to throw 92, 93. I don't even think he gets up to that. Maybe you'll see that in the first inning. So uh, look, I mean, uh, the, the Cardinals are going to have a really tough time the next two days facing Trevor Rogers and, and Sandy Alcantara, I believe. But tonight would be the night that they should be able to square some balls up. And I know with the pitching issues the Cardinals have had, maybe we're in for a high-scoring one tonight. Uh, you know, at the game, I'm not sure. But but uh, Garrett certainly has fallen quite a bit in terms of their top pitching prospects. Many have moved ahead of him.
3: I'm curious, and Craig Mish is our guest, and for those that uh, follow Craig, you you know he's as connected as anybody in terms of front offices and players. He's based in South Florida, but does a remarkable job uh, covering the game. I mean that, Craig. You, you're great at working a locker room or Thank the field and, and breaking stories and, and developing relationships starting when – Guys are young, like Sandy Alcantara on a backfield. Now, all of a sudden, he becomes an all-star. So you're to be commended with that. And and my question is about this, the CBA. Uh, are you hearing anything about something being done privately? And, and maybe it's the best thing that we're not hearing a lot about, the, the pending CBA, but it's kind of the black cloud right now hanging over the game of baseball coming out of a pandemic and a shortened season and all those things. We all want to see baseball, but... Are you hearing any progress on on some of the issues that are out there for both sides?
7: Uh, you know, first of all, Danny, thank you for saying that, and I look forward to actually being able to give you a hug this summer. Well, That's I mean it. You know, I mean thing. that. We talk all the well, time. You do a great I, job. I, I, I thank you for that. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't. I would. I don't want to say that it's super negative. There, there are some that, that have put out stories where it's not happening, and there's going to be a lockout. Um, you know, the, the thing is, what, what I am optimistic about is both sides know exactly what they want. And sometimes, like in the past, I have felt that they were unclear in communicating those sort of things. With, uh, you know, especially there was one time on the player side where the, they wanted the food better or something like that. It was just like some insane request that didn't need to even be in the discussion. So, I mean, look, simply put, they both want expanded playoffs. They both want the designated hitter. There has to be give and take on both sides there, but I think that they understand that You would look at this past year and say, why couldn't they just get this worked out? Well, it just kind of came on very quickly. Do I think they'll be bickering? Do I think they'll be fighting? Of course, it's the way that this thing has always gone down. But I do think both sides understand what needs to get done. And by the way, I do think the owners understand there needs to be a universal designated hitter. But they simply, it it is business. And in business, there is give and take. It stinks. We don't want to talk about it. But the owners simply can't just allow 15 more designated hitters in the American League getting paid an extra $10, $15 million a season and have no trade-off for that. I understand. As long as they can get those little things figured out, and it is little, believe me, these guys are billionaires, they have the money, but if they can figure it out, I think that everything will go okay this offseason.
2: That's good news. Yep. Craig Mish, always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it, and as the season continues to unfold, I'm sure we'll speak again. Have a great day.
7: All right. Thanks for having me. You guys too. Take All care. All right.
2: Thanks, Craig. Craig Mish, my old MLB Network, and a friend of 101 ESPN here with Danny and Randy. And boy, that's, uh, he is, I'm telling you, he's as locked in yep.
3: on a lot of these issues, business side issues, as anybody can be. And uh, that's the most positive I've heard from yep. a lot of people involved in the game. That's good. And by
2: the way, I don't know if it if it'll work this way, but if I am. The owners, I want one of my liaisons to be Derek Jeter. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it'll work, but Michael Jordan has worked for basketball. Now, granted, the relationship I between basketball owners though. and players is so much better than baseball. I but, mean, I, I understand where you're going with that, but I, I don't know if it's the same. I, I, let me put it this way. I, I want Derek Jeter in that room. Yeah, I guess. Because he he could, at the very least, can explain to owners, okay, here's what
3: players are thinking. Maybe. Um, But they're going to get an earful, though, from the executive council of the Players Association anyway. Um, And I understand he's been on both sides. I I totally understand what you're saying. I just don't know if that makes a difference. Because at the end of the day, it's going to come down to getting the best deal no matter
2: what. So whether Derek Jeter is there or not, it it, it just doesn't matter. And he mentioned the chefs last time the players didn't get the best deal because they were asking for chefs rather than money. So they did get that. They got the chefs. Yes,
3: they they did. And they got like, you know, there's another thing like they wanted multiple buses on spring training, bus rides, things of Mm -hmm. that nature to be able to spread out. I mean, I, I, I do think it's a little bit, you know, he talked about expanded playoffs, the DH. I also wonder how much would you have an expansion in the game? So, all of a sudden, owners would get a massive influx of money because you'd have to purchase the right to get the team, and that gets into the, the pie for the owners. Um, and the the trade-off with that, Randy, is that you've got, let's say, I'm going to say that rosters go to 27. So, now you, you've created, I think that would be a give and take, too. Another major league job for every mm-hmm. team, but also... You'd have 27 more jobs in baseball. No, you'd have more than that because you have two teams with expansion. But then also in the minor leagues, you know, you're talking about four more teams, eight teams total with that. That's creating jobs. I mean, there's ways to get it done. It's just I think it's been very frustrating from the players' point of view that this last agreement just didn't it, – it went to the owners. I mean, yeah. they, they it was beneficial yeah, for them more the so. Shit. But you're here's dope. the other thing. You're coming off a pandemic.
2: Everybody is making money. Everybody. Yeah. So common sense has got to be a part of this, sure. too. Yep. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, how hard is it to find starting pitching in baseball
1: right now? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: We mentioned with Craig Mish that – Sandy Alcantara is going to pitch for the Marlins on Wednesday. That would be the 16th. That would be Dunctionary Day on the Bud Deck at the Budweiser Brew House in Ballpark Village. There are still a few tables available you need to get in now, though, at 101ESPN.com. Each of your four tickets and your table will include a hot dog, a beer, a Dunctionary shirt, plus a portion of every table purchased is being donated to the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. We're going to be broadcasting live Wednesday from the Bud Deck with BKM and Ferrario from 11 to 2. The fast lane from 2 to 6. Get all the Dunctionary Day details right now at 101ESPN.com. It's 9.08. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler Danny Mack and Randy in as Michelle is taking some time off. And Dan, over the weekend, a lot of people wondering why the Cardinals didn't go out and protect themselves more with the questions about their pitchers heading into the season. They thought that KK was a question. Carlos Martinez a question. Uh, obviously, Miles Michaelis was a question and uh, a couple of things. Number one, I, I look at the pitchers that were available in free agency after about January 15th. And there really wasn't anybody that I thought was going to be great or somebody that you'd say, OK, that you can plug that guy into your bullpen as your sixth starter. And the other part of this is. You just look at the guys that San Francisco signed, Adis Sclafani and Alex Wood. Now, they were told they were going to be in the Giants rotation. If you have the chance to be in the Giants rotation or the Memphis Redbirds rotation and you're a pitcher, what are you going to take? You're going to take the Major League deal, right? Absolutely. Yes. So, finding starting pitching over the offseason was not as easy as we make it out to be. The Cardinals were not going to sign Trevor Bauer. They weren't going to be like the Dodgers and try to kill a fly with a sledgehammer. And the other part of this is is that as we sit here now on Flag Day, June 14th, there hasn't been, once the season started, a pitcher, a starting pitcher, traded by one major league team to another major league team.
3: And that's why you know I think Craig was spot on. I, I, I think we're going to have a lot of movement at the trade deadline and that, you know, also pertains to the Cardinals. Again, we, we did this earlier. We kind of take the big picture view of where they're at. Is it bad right now? Yeah, it's been bad. You know, team's not playing well. Three of the five guys that you were counting on are not in your rotation at minimum. Um, so if you're the Cardinals, do you wait it out as much as you can and try to hang in there? Or is there something immediately that you can do right now? And. I understand when people say you got to go make a deal, but here's the thing: there are a, a lot of warts on this team. It's not just one deal, and it's going to get fixed. When people say go out and just make this deal, well, there's okay. You made that deal, and they, then you got to address right. something else. I mean, there's some problems with this team,
2: and let me—it's going to be multiple things yeah. that you have to address. Let me throw this out there too: the Yankees, who have a much better system than the Cardinals do, and a lot more Major League ready prospects than the Cardinals. Their starting pitching in June has been as bad as the Cardinals starting pitching. You think the Yankees aren't looking for a starting pitcher? Well, I was thinking this this morning when uh, Emily had the, the
3: the fight questions with Aaron Boone. And, you know, he is feeling it. And that fan base is feeling it this morning, just like the Cardinals mm-hmm. are. It's It's a similar thing where there's expectations when you're with these organizations to win and win now. And there's not rebuilds. There's not reloads. It's just keep plugging and get through it, and the Yankees, with the amount of money that they've spent, are in a hole, and they're not playing well. I mean, Aaron Boone last night on his post-game Zoom was asked about, you know, are the guys used to losing, and he got fired up, man. He was mad about that question, and, you know, it's just one of those times that the Cardinals are in a bad rut, they're injured, and if you went out and made a deal, Randy, um, it's going to, like, a significant deal, because teams know they've got the leverage because the the injuries the Cardinals have. So the question you'd have to ask yourself as a fan, are you willing to give up Thompson, Libertor, Gorman, some of these guys? And there's the middle of the – like how you look at the Cardinals system, it's top-heavy with some good prospects. Lower levels have some good prospects. The middle is – eh, it's down. So those are the guys that people are going to be asking about. And if you feel that that's – here's the question. Do you feel that those guys – uh, if you went out and traded them, are good enough to make you a winner? Then maybe you do it. I personally, I wouldn't, but because there's too many warts right yeah. now on this team.
2: And, and the pitches you're With the injuries. Get, you're talking about a Brad Keller. You're talking about maybe a Danny Duffy. You aren't talking about Scherzer here. Who, by the way, uh, have you seen how severe his injury is? I don't. He threw 12 pitches on Saturday. I am not. I was just taken saw that. out of the yeah, game. I just saw it was the 12 pitches, and he was out. But if you get a Barrios or a uh, a Pineda from the Twins, the price is going to be exorbitant. If you get a Kyle Gibson from the Rangers, the price is going to be exorbitant right now. And it might be when you get to the 30th, too. But if you're a desperate team like the Cardinals or the Yankees going after a starting pitcher, those teams that have the starting pitcher are going to ask for the moon.
3: Well, they have the leverage they right should. now. They should. I mean, you know, until tomorrow night, that would have been KK out, Flaherty out, Michaelis out. Jordan Hicks not in your bullpen. I mean, those are, to me, the Hicks, we don't talk enough about that. That has been a massive injury because you're relying on the other three that you could count on. Mm -hmm. And Hicks was, you know, had his faults this year at times coming back from Tommy John. But generally speaking, you think that's going to get better and better because he's more efficient in the strike zone. Um, You know, you just have a feel for it coming after almost two years off. But that's been
2: a big loss for this team. It's huge. Somebody the other night was complaining just along those lines about Seth Elledge being here. And I I pointed out that if things went the way the Cardinals wanted them to go, Seth Elledge might be your fourth or fifth guy at Memphis right now because you would have your starters, and so you would have Gant in the bullpen. You would have a completely different-looking bullpen with Hicks down there. Cody Whitley isn't healthy. There's so many dominoes that have fallen and Hicks is one of them that have caused you to not have reliable relievers beyond the top two or three, if you want to throw Cabrera in there. So
3: if I'm sitting in that chair, I got to remind myself when I wake up this morning, that this is a long season, even though this has been a really bad stretch of baseball, not only with the wins and losses, but the manner in which you're losing games, you're always trailing. So I've got the Marlins tonight with Wainwright on the mound. I got to feel good about this game tonight. This is, is, again, one of those games you got to win. You got Alcantara going in game three. That guy can be as nasty as anybody. I go to a Braves team that hasn't played great baseball. I got Detroit for a couple. I think I can do something there. I come home, Pittsburgh, Arizona, two teams that you should take care of. I go to Colorado. If If I'm a good team, I should take care of business on the road. Finish up with San Francisco and then the Cubs. Not going to be easy going on the road to those two places. If I can keep my head above water because I'm trying to be pragmatic about this mm-hmm. and not just make a knee jerk reaction, I, I've just got to remind myself it's a long year and hopefully we get, you know, you got to have the fingers crossed and a lot of things got to go into place. And I know fans don't want to hear that, but yeah. that's probably the view that they're looking at. And if we went out and got, so it, let's just say you went out and got Max Scherzer. Are you infinitely better by getting a frontline starter? You're better, but are you over the hump to be a championship team? I don't, I don't think so because you had a lot of areas that you need to address right mm-hmm. now, and part of that is getting Bader back. Part of that is finding a rhythm for Paul DeYoung. I mean, all these things that
2: we're talking about, but there's problems with this team. There's just no other way yeah, to put it, right? And a couple of points to point out the long season. 2017 Dodgers won the National League Championship should have won the World Series. They lost 16 of 17 in August and September and then the next year the Dodgers won the National League pennant and they lost 7 of 9 then 7 of 8 and then 9 of 10 and I want to get back to where we started here with pitching If you go to sign a Rick Porcello or a Cole Hamels, and by the way, two of the teams that need starting pitching are the Braves and the Mets. Braves had Hamels last year, and they don't want him back. All right? The Mets had Porcello, and they don't want him back. None of the 30 teams have signed these guys. And even if you do sign them, they're a month away from being able to start Mm -hmm. a game for you. Well, the other part, too, is if you're the Cardinals at the
3: trade deadline... You know, if if they get Michaelis back, I don't anticipate him pitching until August because he's got to build build back up. Right, exactly. I mean, that's another issue that yeah. they have. Building up is a is a big part so, of this deal. Yeah, it, it's easy to say, well, go make a deal. You got to you got to address mm-hmm. something. You got to well, look. I understand that from a fan's perspective. I, it's frustrating to watch how this team is performing. But I, I'm taking a, a trying to take a logical view at this and say, not only are we missing that, but there's a lot of other areas
2: we need yeah. to address. Hey, the last thirteen games are a disaster area, but a lot of the needs that can that need to be addressed can be addressed from within if guys just get healthy at the All Star Break. That's Dan, I'm Randy. Coming up, we expected the Cubs to bail at the trade deadline, but now they're in first place in the division, and it looks like they might be able to do even more. How did they fool us?
1: That's next on one one ESPN.
2: Cubs just swept the Cardinals, and during the offseason, they traded you Darvish. We thought maybe during the offseason that they would trade Chris Bryant too. Let Kyle Schwarber go. Yep. Another one. A lot of things happened to that team during the offseason, and we kind of figured, okay, they're going to be bad, and they're going to disassemble because they've got so many free agents, and at the deadline, they'll trade everybody. But here they are, 38-27, and 27, tied with Milwaukee for first in the NL Central, and Dan, there's so much that goes into the Cub's success. And by the way, David Ross deserves a ton of credit, but they have gotten production from unexpected sources, especially a pretty much no-name bullpen that has a two point five nine ERA, which is third in major league second in major league baseball. Yeah, the bullpen has
3: been great. And you look at Tommy Nance, you look at TiPera and getting to then Craig Kimbrell who's back to being Craig Kimbrell that was a big question mark for them the back end of their games and their bullpen and it started in early September with Kimbrell he figured something out of last year and he has been one of the best closers in baseball in each of his last seven appearances he's picked up a save without allowing a hit third time he's done that in his career the save became an official stat in 69 only uh, pitchers have done that in terms of seven games without allowing a hit and picking up a save. He's done it three times. All of the pitchers have only done it once. That's so amazing. Th- that's how good he's yeah. been for them. So I, I look at, you know, the other part of this too is Zach Davies. Zach Davies in April had a nine four seven ERA. So he's another guy that's a free agent to be. So mm-hmm. you, you figured, okay, Arietta comes in, Davies comes in. We got all these position players, Kimbrel, all on you know one year. And uh, if things don't go right, then we get rid of them. Now they're at a point where I think you look to add and bolster their rotation even more. So when you look at the Cubs and why they're doing what they're doing, it's about their their starting pitching, which has had a lot of question marks coming in, but is settled in. And now Davies, after the uh, the start last night, he has an ERA since April twenty, uh, no, for, since April first. Excuse me, under two. So he figured out some with his changeup. Mm-hmm. He's got a good sinker, doesn't throw hard, but last night, another example, only two hits. So... You know, the starting pitch, it it begins with your pitching. It's the cliche, and and they've gotten pretty good starting pitching.
2: When the Cubs came to town on May 21st and the Cardinals were in first and the Cardinals were rolling, Cubs had a starter's ERA of 5.47. Here we are on June 14th. This is only three weeks later, and the Cubs' starting pitcher's ERA has come down by a run per game from 5.47 to 4.50. Now, another reason they fooled people, Dan, is because look at their OPS leaders. Patrick Wisdom, granted only 19 games, leads him in OPS at 1. 02, or 1.202. Sergio Alcantara is second. Jake Marisnik is third. Then you have Bryant, who you expect to be there. Nico Horner isn't even there right now, but they've gotten great work out of Mike Duffy when he's been healthy. They've gotten great work out of Eric Sogard. Names that you didn't expect to be in their lineup are not only in their lineup but they're thriving i expected david bode i expected nico
3: horner they have been injured ian happ who was their best hitter a year ago has not been very good this year mm-hmm. but chris bryant is back to being chris bryant he worked on some things in the off season that has been a much better player an mvp type player uh, Rizzo's been Rizzo. Baez has been better this year. And I think a lot of it has to do with fans back in the stands. He said how tough it was for him not having fans in the stands. Well, they fed off the energy of that crowd this weekend. They're now 24-10 and 10 at home. That's huge. 14-17 on the road. Wow, 24-10, and 10, and they'll get the Mets, who have the best record at home in baseball at City Field uh, tonight. So that should be a good matchup between those two
2: teams. Now the, the big question is, can the Cubs sustain it? Can names like Wisdom and Alcantara and, uh, and Eric Sogard and Zach Davies, can they sustain for six months? I think they'll be there come All Star break. We've only got a month to go before the All Star break, but can they do it for six months? Yeah. Uh, I got to question that,
3: but I still think if you keep the core intact, which by all accounts they will, when you're talking Rizzo, Bryant, Contreras, um, Baez, yes, I, I think they can. And and if you get Horner and Bodie giving you something, then I think you're going to be fine offensively. It's a it's a good club, Randy. I mean, if they pitch like they've been pitching, there's
2: no reason to think that they wouldn't be. And their pitching, as opposed to the Cardinals, has been remarkably healthy, as opposed to pretty much everybody else. Their starting pitching especially has been remarkably healthy, hasn't it? I like, too, how they're using Mariznick coming off the bench. Yep. He's a
3: really good defensive player. And Bryant has given them so much flexibility to where he's playing center field, right field. He's played a little first base. We know he can play third. He can play left. So you can bring Marisnik in when you have a lead, get really good defensively because he's tremendous defensively. And the addition of Jock Peterson has been a nice addition for them as well. So,
2: right. you know, there's no reason to think that they wouldn't be in this thing for the entire season. No doubt about it. By the way, we mentioned the health of their starters just over the course of the last week, they have lost Alzelay and Williams. They expect those guys back sooner rather than later, but they did get a nice start uh, on uh, Friday. It was from, uh, the, the starter's name escapes me now. Yeah. It, he went, uh, well, he went. did he pitch
3: into the fifth? I can't remember. I think they went to their bullpen. It was either fourth or the fifth. Cole Stewart. That was the game that the Cardinals needed Should to win. win. You yep. win game one. You had the crowd taken out of it.
2: And you're up 5-1. Got to win that game. Yep. So they fooled people. As a matter of fact, might be the biggest surprise in baseball along with the Giants. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101
1: ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: So, Danny, it has not been the best week for the media after Colorado was eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, broadcaster, no, I guess it was a writer, asked Nathan McKinnon, hey, next year, do you guys just say blanket? We're not going to think about it and just kind of go about your business. And Nathan McKinnon didn't say anything and then... To, The PR guy said, next question. The Yankees obviously are struggling. This was the exchange yesterday between the Yankees manager, Aaron Boone, and one of the Yankees reporters.
1: Uh, Ken kind of touched on what I was going to ask, but do you sense there's a fatigue in the dugout, maybe a complacency as these losses pile up where uh, guys are just almost getting used to losing here? (laughs) No. Why not?
7: I I know them too well, and, and... I don't think there's any getting used to freaking losing. Hell no. Hell
8: out of here by
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> come on, media, you're better than that.
3: I, I would be if I was. I think Aaron Boone handled that properly. Well, I do too. He was terrific. Yeah, I mean, come on. Oh so. yeah. What, what do you want? To say? Yeah, our guys. You know, they're used to it. We're we're embracing losing. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, can't wait to do it again tomorrow. It's unbelievable. Come on. I mean, it's a total set up gotcha yeah right
2: right it it was what do you think Emily the, the first question. Gotcha. Was, the first question was stupid and then the why was even stupider yes okay yes from Emily um,
3: yeah I I always find that you know what do you, what do you want him to say right exactly uh, you know uh, now a question I think is fair is you know um, what's the Oh, what would it be? You know, you guys are losing a lot. What's the mood like in the clubhouse or in the dugout? What's yeah. it, What's it like down there when you fall behind? What, what's the, What's the vibe? Right. But and what What if you could explain as to why your team is struggling? What would be your from your point right. of view? What are you seeing?
0: In the words of Bryce Harper, that's a clown question, bro.
2: Well, maybe so. It was. Meanwhile, we got word late last week that college football is considering expanding their playoff from four teams to twelve, and Whenever we can get Ed Orgeron's voice on the air, we have to hear from the LSU coach.
8: Well, I think it's, it's inevitable. I think it's coming. I think, you know, here's, here's what I've learned. As the older you get, you have to adapt. Uh, this game is changing. Recruiting's changing. Things are changing fast. We just have to adapt. So, hey, if they expand, hey, good. It gives us a chance to get in. Uh, you don't know, have to play more games, but you have to adapt. I think it's going that way. It looks like it's going that way. That's not my wheelhouse. If they 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 get us into the into the playoffs, I'm gonna be happy.
3: I'll tell you what I'm happy about
2: is I understood most of what he was saying. I everything. Gotta got adapt. You know, it, normally I struggle it, with that. It's not my wheelhouse. <laughs> but we didn't get any go tigers. Now, now he was he, on Marty and McGee. He might have said go tigers at he, the end. Oh, I I guarantee he did. Had
3: to have, right? Yeah. Um so first of all, what I take from that is I understood him. Mm-hmm most of it. There's a couple spots I was a little iffy on, but I, I think I had the gist of what he was trying to say. And uh, by the way, I just, I like him. I think he's great I for college great.
2: football. Yeah. What do you think, by the way, of expanding that? As love a fan, it. I love it. Makes all the sense in the world. I don't see an angle from which it would not be good. It does give more teams an opportunity. It helps out the group of five. It's more money for college football. I don't see Tons the negatives. more money. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine the ratings on those games? Yeah. Massive. Players don't care if they're playing a few more games especially now with the likeness rules the fact that they're going to get paid the more they're on tv the more their likeness is going to earn them it's a a win-win-win
3: that's why i'm okay with it i first of all from understand what i'm about to say here from a fan's perspective Mm -hmm. and i love college football i think it's awesome i we've all been clamoring for that underdog to have a shot mm-hmm. at lsu or ohio state or whomever you want out there um but i, I could see where some people would say playing devil's advocate if they're not a huge college football fans saying you know you're already asking these kids to play 12 games and now you're going to add in a few more is that right but i would counter that by what you just said the image and likeness thing now is a, a part of this and you're right. You're going to have a chance to be uh, presented in a different light uh, and, and more exposure
2: than you've ever had. And we're talking a lot about college football players having to play too many games. There are many states where you have to play 15 games to win a high school championship. That's true too.
3: That's true too. Yeah. So I, I look. The, the bottom line is, is, I always say, Randy, what's my? I always say in pretty much in life to follow the money. Yep, and the money will tell you that at the end of that rainbow is a pot of gold for NCAA and for the member institutions and the conferences,
2: period. Dan, the last time Le'Veon Bell running back had a good season was 2017. He sat out 2018. He was bad in 2019 in his first year with the Jets. He was so bad and didn't get along with Adam Gase in 2020 that he got cut and went to the Chiefs and this past weekend, hopped on somebody's random Instagram and responded to... Who is this now? Le'Veon Bell. Okay. Former chief, former yeah, jet, uh, former Steeler, Stealer. And uh, he he said on just a random Instagram post as a response, I'll never play for Andy Reid again. I'd retire first. Actually, I kind of think he may have retired himself probably since he's a running back that has not had a good year since 2017. And this 2018, couldn't get along with the Steelers, couldn't get along with Adam Gase. You say, okay, nobody has ever said anything bad about Andy Reid ever. And now he's the one that says I'll never play for the guy again. Well, let me... I, if. If Le'Veon had uh,
3: all all the teams say to him, um, we're, we're good, thanks, we, we don't want your services, but Andy Reid said, no, I'll take a shot on you, and you got a chance to make a paycheck, I, I bet he play
2: for Andy Reid. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that would happen. So you never say never. Yeah. I don't think that he's going to have to decide to retire. I think the league is going to retire, to him. retire him. By yeah. the way, with a, like a quarter of the league as Andy Reid disciples, who know him, and then uh, you think John Gruden's not saying, "Well, hell, if he can't play for Andy, he can't play for me." I don't know. I I think football guys think that they
3: can get to a guy, but I think a lot of coaches and a lot of different sports say, "You know what? I see something in that guy. I can connect with him. I do." Even even if the track record has not been great with other guys that have had great track records of coaches that get to players. I still think that coaches innately feel like I can get the most out of that guy or give him a, a chance or he'll understand yeah. that this is his last shot.
2: I can I can get to him. He's a running back that's 29 and has had three bad seasons in a Well, a, a non-season, a missed season, and then two bad seasons. So I would think that the NFL probably will back off on Le'Veon. 618, if Randy understood every word
3: out of Coach O on that quote, um, he can understand gibberish.
2: Oh, that I did. Yeah.
0: It says, if Randy understood every word out of Coach Owen, that quote, anyway, he's got some free time to come help me understand my 13-month-old's gibberish.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks in advance. <laughs> Go Tiger. Yeah. Can, can we get that again? Just so I, I don't have to decode. It, Normally with Coach, I have to decode.
3: Randy, there was a couple of spots I didn't understand. I mean, I knew where he was going, mm-hmm. but I didn't quite... Uh, Understand That's what it. makes him great. All right, let's hear it one you, more time, just, Emily. You get to listen carefully. Yeah, I was. I, I was, was paying too. attention. Yeah. Are you calling me out now? No. no. You, you got to adapt. You got to adapt. I think it's going to be good for us. And here's Coach O. Well,
8: I think it's is it inevitable. I think it's coming. I think, you know, here's, here's what i learned. As the older you get, you have to adapt. Uh, this game is changing. Recruiting's changing. Things are changing fast. We just have to adapt. So, hey, if they expand, hey, good. It gives us a chance to get in. Uh you don't have to play more games, but you have to adapt. I think it's going that way. It looks like it's going that way. That's out of my wheelhouse. If they 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 get us into the into the playoffs, I'm gonna be happy.
3: Okay, if you can just play the first five seconds, that's, it was the, the very first and then but I understood Jesus. the the
2: other words that's, around that's it. That's not my wheelhouse. They so, just get us into the playoffs, I'll be happy. Right here.
8: Well, I think it's is inevitable. I think it's that part. Co- well, I think it's inevitable
2: Okay,
3: I think it's inevitable
0: I think having heard it now like four times I'm pretty sure I understand the whole thing Yeah, yeah.
3: now I did too, Emily yeah. You played it for us earlier and yeah. I was like, ah, oh, there's a couple spots I don't yeah. get no. But I understand
2: what he's saying I think
0: I've got the whole thing now yeah.
2: If he's speaking with fellow Cajuns and he's really comfortable Oh, fits it. right in But we can't understand a word at that point Wait, I don't do That's what makes it great
3: That's what I love All right that is... Good your job ch- on your killing me, Smalls, Randy. Thank you. You're not
2: Smalls. No, but nobody is. She's coming back tomorrow. Yes, after her uh, half marathon. I don't know how it went, but uh, we're we're going to find out tomorrow. Uh, all we're, right. It, she might be stumbling in because her feet might be blistered and everything. I used to do a bunch of half marathons. You get yeah. sore. Oh, you, you'll I be can sore. Imagine. Yeah, it hurts. I, I think I've told you before, I haven't done a half marathon combined in my life, so I wouldn't know. You could do it. I think you should make a...
3: Uh, because we're winding down the stretch run here of this epic program that we've had this morning. Mm -hmm. And I think you you should come out and try to do it. I think you could do it. And you would be so happy with yourself that you said that you were going to do it and did it before it got uh, too late in the game. What dead people are happy with themselves? Well...
2: I I don't know. I can't speak to that. Hey, Dan, you want to visit me at Rally House on Friday? I'll be there. You can join me at Rally House in Chesterfield Friday from noon to 2. Father's Day is Sunday, and Rally House has everything you need for the perfect Father's Day gift. The first 100 customers that stop by and tell me the password, MVP, will get a $10 Rally House gift card free. That's this Friday, noon to 2, with me at Rally House in Chesterfield. All you have to do is come in and tell me, MVP, and get a $10 Rally House gift card. Coming up. Do you yes. have to wear a jersey. Last time we had. To Last wear... time was a jersey. Uh-huh. This is not a jersey. Oh, no, okay. no jersey required. All right. I already know what I'm getting for Father's Day. What are you going to get? I'm getting uh, Traeger pellets. Really? That's what I asked for. So I better get it. What's uh, what comes in the wood pellet? Well, you get a bag of pellets. Like I want oak and alder. Alder is a milder flavored wood pellet. Oh, and oak is a little. It's kind of medium, and then hickory is a really strong smoky flavor. So I'm going all grilling on Father's Day. I like it. Yeah, we're going to cross things over towards the Danny Mac Show next on 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the Carragher and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: And Randy, with you. And since we've gone down this Ed Orgeron rabbit hole, we have determined that uh, we have to hear a little bit more of Coach O. By the way, Danny, I was at Coach Orgeron's first game as LSU head coach. That was against Missouri, and they just rocked Missouri. Darius guys had like 280 yards rushing or something like that. But I got a chance to see the Tiger walk. He reinstated a lot of things that Les Miles had taken away, and uh, it, it was quite an atmosphere. Oh yeah. I, that's
3: value. one of the places uh, <clears throat> I really want to go see a game, which would be in uh, Baton Rouge. Yeah, I would love that. Beautiful. I've never done it, and that's one of my bucket list things to do. Ole Miss is another one. Now, that would be
2: awesome, too. If you get to Ole Miss, one of the things you have to do is just listen to Coach O.
8: You know, I to stop at the uh, Exxon and get a chicken on a stick, and it was fantastic. And I hope that cook is still there, and I can stop and say hello to her. <laughs>
2: Just outside of uh, what Ole was Miss. was that from? It was a press conference <laughs> when he was going to make his return to Ole Miss. Really? Yeah, and he was going to go to the Exxon and get the chicken on a stick. I've been uh,
3: to Ole Miss for baseball. I did the Super Regionals there many years ago, and uh, SEC baseball is is huge. I mean, they pack those stadiums. They get uh, it's electric, and so being there in the Grove and all that kind of stuff was really fun. I can't imagine though what it would be like for. Football. I mean it yeah. would be just
2: amazing. Yeah. Next time Missouri plays there, I'm gonna hit that uh, hit hit that tailgate party. Meanwhile, coach also mentioned this.
8: And I'm glad you ought to have that Ralph for Salafusha wouldn't ever got past number one.
2: Do that one more time, please.
8: And I'm glad you wanted to have that Ralph for Salafusha wouldn't
2: ever got past number one. Now that is at a booster meeting where he's comfortable with his fellow Cajuns.
3: What did he say? I have no idea. Okay, so you, did, I'm, I'm not in the minority no. here and have no idea. No. Try that one more time.
8: And I'm glad you ought to have that raffle of the would we ever got past number one. Past number
2: one is the last three things. I'm thinking, one more time.
8: And I'm glad you ought to have that raffle of the would we ever got past number one. I'm glad you all had that raffle.
3: I, that's, I thought, I'm, I'm all glad you had that raffle on the porch and now we're going to get to number one.
2: <laughs> Isn't this fun? Isn't Coach O great? <laughs> I, he is great, but I, I don't know what he's saying. See, that's when he's with, and we may have determined this at one point somehow, but when he is in a comfort zone and speaking to his fellow Louisianians or Louisianans, he uh, he gets into that zone. But he does at the end of every interview say, go Go Tigers. Uh,
3: chicken on a stick is
2: amazing. It's a Chevron station.
3: Uh, that's from the 515. I, I understood that one. Yeah. I, that that, one, that I, with the, every word. The last one, I have no idea what he's saying. I really don't. I just heard number one at the end. I did understand that part. That was very difficult. To but understand. it sounded like we're having a raffle, a raffle on a porch and we're going
2: to get to number one. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it was great. Uh, You know what I'm excited about is the U.S. Olympic uh, team trials for gymnastics go on. uh, Single session tickets go on sale today at 10 o'clock, seven minutes from now. It's scheduled for June 24th and 27th. Simone Biles will be here in town at the Dome and the U.S. Olympic gymnastics teams will be named in St. Louis at the conclusion of the trials. And single session tickets range from 20 to $90 for Thursday. On Friday, $45 to $160. The men's are a lot less expensive. $25 to $125 on Saturday. And then on Sunday, $50 to $180. So the women's are Friday, $45 to $160. And Sunday from $50 to $180. But one of the big events heading into the Olympics happening here in St. Louis at the Dome, and you can still get all session tickets right now, but single session tickets going on sale in about five minutes.
3: Uh, raffle to sell food from Cocho. That's from the uh, 260.
2: It sounded like raffle was one of the words that he used. Yeah. It could have been that. We'll see. And I'm
8: glad you ought to have that raffle
2: to sell the food. She would never got past number one. Ralph, you had that raffle to sell the food. Wouldn't never got past number one. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Coach Drink, I understand quite well. Yeah.
3: I, here's the thing, though. If you win, who cares? You can say anything you want. That's right. You can say things that people just don't understand. And if, when he says something like that, <sighs> people start going wild Go yep. and then you just walk off the stage and you go get the best yeah. uh, kid in the country and he's your running back or QB and you win a bunch of games you remember when
2: Rex Ryan went to the Jets and he said I'm not here to kiss Bill Belichick's rings yes I think coach drink even though he's never said it has that same attitude about people like Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and Ed Orgeron I don't think he really cares about their star power He he just wants to go in and do his thing and try to beat him. Don't you think though?
3: If you're in that league, you can't worry about that. You can't. You no. know, you, the Sabin and those guys are going to get their play. They're going to have four stars and five stars all over the field, mm-hmm. and their second string and their third string. You just do you. I mean, you try to. And I think people have enjoyed. At least I have. The uh, with Coach Drink, he, he's got an edge to him. Social yeah. media. He's great on the the interviews. And, um, you know, it's not like he's trying to live up to somebody else. He's just who he is. And here's the thing, Randy. I mean, at this time last year, he's just like wondering, number one, are you going to have a season? Mm -hmm. Um, Spring football canceled. And you're just trying to figure out, okay, here's what I have left. Here's what the cupboard had from the previous regime. Can any of these guys play to what what my anticipation, Mm -hmm. my – level of expectation is is supposed to be at and he got them to play i mean they weren't great but they were competitive and I, that's the thing I love is that he's come in and made inroads in, in from the people I've talked to that cover high school and are involved with high school
2: football. The inroads he's made oh, immediately have been substantial. Incredible. Incredible. And by the way, they got a cornerback from Tulsa, the number 36 rated transfer portal cornerback committed to Mizzou over the weekend. So that's a good thing. Two things about the other coaches. I asked Coach recently I said so when you had your first meetings with the SEC coaches I said who are the cool guys he said all the cool guys got fired he said I, I don't like any of the other ones now I'm looking forward to
3: uh, SEC media day coming it's up gonna be great because now it's yeah. back on and you know they're they're all open 100% capacity so media will be there coaches will be letting
2: it rip Birmingham that's one of the best things you can get yeah. leading into the yeah. football season yeah and one other Mizzou fun fact, you talked about how he didn't know who he was going to have a pl- have to play. So Connor Bazelock, his quarterback, is a freshman, barely plays, doesn't get into four games. So last year was a redshirt freshman. And this year, with the COVID rules, he's a freshman again. So in theory, a freshman quarterback from Mizzou, not that it'll happen, but Bazelock could... Enter the NFL draft as a freshman. It's incredible. A third-year freshman. Well, how about what's going on with SLU basketball? It's amazing. Do you it's see those crazy. guys that yeah. have
3: all graduated already? They yeah. have like three or four more years of eligibility. Um, this is from the 618. Quote, I'm glad you guys didn't have that raffle in South Lafourche, Louisiana. Uh, I would had never got past number one. Emily, let's see if that's right. And
8: I'm glad you didn't have that raffle in South Lafourche. never got past number one.
3: There you go. South so the, LaFouche. The 618 nailed it. Okay. A lot of people saying he sounds like uh, the guy from Waterboy. Was that? Bobby Boucher? Bobby Boucher. Yeah. A little Bobby Boucher there. He's got a little twang to it.
2: Great. Yeah. Yep. Hey, this was fun. Thank you very much for filling in for Michelle. Great job as always.
3: Happy to do it. You know, it's a little easier, Randy, when the teams win and the Cardinals, local nine, put up some wins, but uh, that wasn't the case. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Got Wayno going tonight. Paul Severino, the play-by-play voice of the Marlins, will be our guest. And uh, we'll, we'll preview the series coming up tonight. No BK today. He's got the day off, so I'm flying solo. And uh, maybe get an update on what it's going to look like with 100% capacity at Bush Stadium tonight.
2: Love it. All right. Right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Great job today by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher, as well. Thank you. Thank you. And for all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting, in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at
1: 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise.
4: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard.